Welcome to Radio Free Nintendo, episode 447. I'm your host, James Jones. Hello. With me today, Mr. John Lindemann. Hey, James. How's it going, buddy? Hey, John. I did the intro out of order, because I'm, I'm mixing it up. It's a remix. Also <laughs> joining me today, Mr. Greg Lay. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. Hi, Greg. Hello, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, no witty banter there. No. And lastly joining us, Mr. Guillaume Bayette. I'd also like to announce that if uh, Chibi-Robo Ziplash doesn't sell, um, there might not be any more podcast. So, I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> wow. not holding the podcast hostage. I'm just saying. I will not get shoot more the hostage. Yes. Well, how do you factor the Amiibo into that equation? Well, if people want to buy the game for the Amiibo, that's fine. Just as long as they buy the game and keep <laughs> the series going. Kion doesn't care. So, this week we've got a fine show for you. We're going to be talking about a handful of Nintendo games, and we've got your listener mail. But first up, we have some news about our Retroactive Junior that we announced last week, Mario Tennis Power Tour. We're going to go ahead and play the game, or we're going to go ahead and have the conversation about the game in two weeks. So please go ahead and play it, and uh, post your comments in the, the thread that we've created for it. There'll be a link in the show notes. And uh, we might use what you have to say about it in the uh, in the show. And also, we may have a special... a uh, Experts' opinion on the game available to supplement our own perspectives. <laughs> you should look forward to that. Oh, man. Or dread it. We're not sure. We'll find out together. But this week, it's new business. And actually, I'm going to lead off new business because I have a Nintendo game and I haven't done it in a little while. So I'm, I'm a little bummed about the, the delay of Star Fox Zero. We sort of commiserated it at the end of the show last week by, by choosing the Star Fox theme as our end music. And I needed something to talk about on the show. And that's a dangerous combination when you're on the show for five, six, seven years. And you need something to talk about. So Star Fox Command on the Nintendo DS, which to give away is again I'm going to talk about, was released on the Wii U Virtual Console as a... DS to Wii U game. Um, I had never yeah. done one of these. But I'd also never played this game. And I remember the reason I didn't play it at the time was A, I thought the Hydrosphat looking fox was kind of unsettling. And <laughs> B, I was put off by the concept of the touch control combat. And C, I really wasn't super game on the sudden canonization of the character of Crystal. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't say has that bothered me, but I was a little put off at the time, but then it got dirt cheap. Yeah. Um, the, I imported the Japanese version of it for about seven quid. Oh my God. When it was just a few months old. Like, there must have been some sort of crazy surplus of those games in Japan. So, yeah, that's how I, I, I didn't get the. Uh, the story. Oh. <laughs> but um, I did play the game. It's so it's weirdly expensive now getting a copy of it. So even even with it coming out on the Wii U, which is a bummer because I would have liked to have played it on original hardware. And I say well, that, that raises the question of what configuration are you using? Because like the, 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 the DS to Wii U thing has like a bunch of different options, oh, yeah. doesn't it? About how you oh, yeah. Of, so so how, how are you doing that? So this is my first time playing a DS game on Wii U. And I had no idea what to go in with. So if you aren't familiar with the game, basically the entire premise of the game is there's you have a set number of turns and there's essentially an area in which you are doing combat. Um, there are enemy squadrons, and you have to eliminate them. 
And how you eliminate them is either Great Fox shoots them down or one of your wing, you're one of your wingmen sort of intercept them. And you sort of draw lines and take turns and you need to intercept their flight path and attack them. And then you get into these really small enclosed combat zones with a fairly limited number of enemies. Mm-hmm. And you have a fixed amount of time that is, you know, contiguous throughout the entire mission. You can gain more time, but essentially there's a time limit. And you have to clear out the enemies in that sector. And then you get credit for clearing that sector. And basically every game comes down to defeat all the enemies. Um, yeah, so, basically. So basically you've got, you, you draw out your map and then all the engagements that can happen that turn happen. And then you do the next turn. Um, if I'm going to, I'm going to pull out a real, a real fucking reference here. If you're familiar with the Super Famicom Gundam F91 game, they cribbed, <laughs> they cribbed the shit out of that game when they made this one. Because it is... It well, is a, I, I, apparently a lot of that stuff was kind of in Star Fox 2. The, the, oh, the Super really? Nintendo game. Now, I have no idea whether the Gundam game, you know, the, the, whether they were influenced by the Gundam game back when they was doing that. Um, uh, you know, it would have been roughly around the same time, probably. I, I, yeah, I that, there, there is some... There is some real like it is it is the the overworld is the same game essentially except so, yeah yeah but that that concept was all in there of course you didn't have the touch screen uh, and all that kind of stuff so it kind of makes right. it a bit more natural but the, these are some of the ideas you know that they kind of um uh, ended up yeah they always say like when people say yeah would you ever consider kind of releasing Star Fox two digitally kind of like they did with Earthbound Beginnings you know like. Well, yeah. it's finished, so why not? Like, even though you never release it commercially. Yeah. But they say, oh, well, we kind of ended up putting some of it in Star Fox 64 and some of it in Command and, and then some of it in Zero with the Chicken Walker transformation yeah. all that. So that's kind of why they say they're not going to do it. But yeah, a fair amount of it showed up in this And game. And you could actually go play Star Fox 2 if you want. It's out there. I've played it. And yeah, it, it, it is kind of a weird, like, experimental thing that they did coming out of the first Star Fox and you play it like, this is... This is weird. It was kind of, I guess it was kind of more like the sort of the eight bit era approach to sequels, right? You know, just do something else. Like, yeah, just do something really quite different when you do a sequel. Yeah, so it's you know, that was a roundabout way to to prompt up your question. So all of the controls once you get into combat are on the touch screen except for shoot, which is literally any button. Yeah. So ideally, ideally, you would turn the gamepad sideways and you would have two screens on there so you can see both the screens and they're both big but i believe that disables the buttons really at the very least the buttons are in incredibly inconvenient places what about the bottom shoulder like can you not the bottom shoulder the bottom shoulder kicks in the uh the menu for the virtual console but but you you could could customize those though that's true i i don't know that it would feel good to hold the thing. No, I'm up. not convinced about that either. But I don't. Mm. That, oh, that is the one nice thing about a lot of the Wii U virtual console is the customizability of the. Yeah, controls. I might need to try that. So, essentially, I tried that one immediately and said, "Oh, I can't touch any of the buttons." Well, that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? So, <laughs> so I then went and flipped it to, um, the the ds emulator view which is it's got so it's like uh, kind of like um appropriate resolution view is it is that right yeah and it's it everything else is taken up by a picture of an original ds (laughs) yeah um but the problem is that on appropriate resolution the screen ends up being tiny Mm. and it's hard to aim yeah well it makes it hard to aim and because the touch screen is 
all of your input and it's you know positionally important ah right yeah you haven't got that much real estate to scribble no (laughs) it's it's really hard (laughs) and the thing is like the right the because the game is essentially just kill rooms like the radar is super important to finding your way because stuff doesn't render very far even even compared to like star fox 64 visually it can be kind of hard to see what you're looking at Mm, yeah, um, there's a rings rings are true with me, you know, like you said, it's not like I mean obviously it's a DS game, you know, right. it wasn't it wasn't that much like farther advanced than uh you know, an N sixty four terms of its polygonal capabilities, I guess, but yeah. The distance the distance is, is rough. So it's it's just very difficult to see And it's and the point is all these encounters are all, all range mode type encounters if yeah. you, in, in the Star Fox sixty four parlance. So you know, it's not the same kind of thing in terms of when you're on rails and everything's kind of scripted. I assume right. it kind of make things sort of somewhat easier. Yeah, you're in, in some pursuit ways. all the time. But but also what made what makes this version easier is that they never have an enemy shoot at you from behind. Pretty much, if I recall correctly, mm. like it, it yeah, just I, does, I, doesn't happen. Like they don't render the enemies behind you, so you never get attacked from behind. Uh, the, the Star Wolf team can shoot at you from behind. But yeah, it's more like the sort of the, the specific kind of dogfight kind of scenarios. But right. yeah, I think mm. you're but, pretty you're, your standard enemies don't really kind but of even, get into even that. Even then, like so very early in the game. So one thing about the game that's that's somewhat unique is that you get to sort of pick these weird like visual novel style choices like right. like at the very beginning your choices are so Star- Fox just got his his uh, wings back essentially and everything's gone to shit because apparently the Cordaria system is the least well defended place in the galaxy. <laughs> And um, it's outsourced but, to four anthropomorphic animals. Or well, no, they expect? have a giant fleet. They just really suck, apparently. Yeah. Um, but at at that moment, they're currently being beaten by the army of Swamp Thing, and um, quite literally, actually. And so he, he Fox's choices are, I should go get Slippy, or I wonder where Falco is. Well, the obvious choice is not Slippy. It's like I should definitely go <laughs> fucking find Falco. But you have to follow kind of an on-rails selections the first time you play the game. So I had to go find Slippy. God damn it. And then the next mission, I think it gave you the choice again of like, I should go find Pepper, or I should go find Pepper's daughter who just happens to know where the enemy is. I'm like, I don't really need her to tell me where the enemy is. They're everywhere. I'll find I'll find Andros eventually. I'm sure he's here. Um, But no, you don't get to go find Pep. You don't get to go find Peppy. You have to go and find his random offspring it's just oh okay fine i i want i wanted the game to just let me pick right away i understand they want you to sort of go through the easy mode which is kind of a way of replicating the the multi-choice paths that the other star fox games have had it's just not a very good one because it's essentially for you in the first pass you have no say in it I, I honestly can't remember how I dealt with this stuff because of the Japanese. I, <laughs> you, I mean, well, so there's a little icon that just says they're locked. So you probably just click the one that wasn't locked. Right. Yeah, I and guess then <laughs> there that, is... that would have made it pretty simple. <laughs> and there is an indication in some cases that you have taken a path, whether you've taken a path or not. Like it, it tells yeah, you. Yeah, I figured there would be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like so it about, changes I'm, color or something. I'm about the third, maybe half of the way through my first playthrough at this point. Um, But like, it's just like, I don't. 
So it's like it, when Crystal shows, I'd be like, any other choice, any other choice at all, please, please, any, anything else. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the, the what I anything can else. dimly recall about the story is just like some of the pictures that sum up oh. the endings, and the, you know, completely oh, yeah. out of context for me. I could just remember one where like Fox is sobbing because I think he's lost Crystal. Yeah, like, I don't so, think he's lost. Like I don't think she's dead. I think he no, just, he's, like, he's lost broke out. up with him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there's another one where they like end up joining the F Zero circuit or something, or maybe it's called something else, but yeah, there's a bunch of goofy endings which I can only uh, imagine are embellished by actually being able to read the text. So, like, (laughs) a lot of those are just so ridiculous that as that game has aged, they've become sort of memes in their own right, just that picture irrespective of nothing posted on the internet, you're going, what on earth am I looking at right now? Right. Um, like well, some, in some cases, you might think you're looking at deviant art, but no, it's official. No, this is it's official art. Like, <laughs> like, like the picture of Slippy and his girlfriend is going to haunt me forever, because um, because that's possibly the worst piece of art to ever come out of an official Nintendo game. Well, there's also uh, <laughs> Slippy and his grandchildren, but uh... oh, anyway, um, <laughs> turn, so, taking so, a dark turn. So I've gone through all of the configurations um, for using the gamepad, and the one I'm I'm on right now is the one where the bottom screen is on the gamepad and the top screen is on the TV. And the reason I've adopted that is it gives me a ton of room to play with for for controlling Fox's flight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's hard to kind of keep looking up and down because on the bottom screen tells me where the targets are, where the th- where the things are I need to shoot, and on the top screen there's really not much to see. <laughs> because it's just not rendering them very well. So it's like I really, really wish they had some way found a way to make it so we could download DS games onto 3DS. Because I mm. feel like this is a situation where this game is just ill-suited to being ported to the Wii U. Right. There's a number of those where it doesn't quite work, especially when you kind of expect it to be kind of very quickly flicking your eyes between the screens. Right. It just does not work the same way with uh, you know the gamepad and the TV. I mean, you know, the, the games where you are using both screens, it's kind of better where it's built in that you're not going to be... Like, obviously, something like Zombie U, where it's kind of meant to be tense and, you know, right. you can't see what's going on. It's kind of built into the design. Now, that works. But if you're just kind of applying a design from the DS or 3DS straight to the Wii U setup, it's it's not that well suited. No, and and there certainly are DS games that would make the jump easily. Um, but this isn't one of them. Yeah, I like, mean, obviously, if you're talking about like a you know, like Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow, so we've just got them. I mean, it's easy to just look down at the map like that, you know. But if it's something right. dynamic, like you said, with the radar and the enemies and all, that, then it's more of an issue. Now I don't know how you would have controlled it without buttons. Like if you could just just all touch screen. Um, but if you could, then I think that the game would work just fine because you could put it in, into the vertical mode. Yeah, I mean uh, most of the most of the, uh, the very touch centric uh, sort of Nintendo designs of that era had at least something. You know, right. Assigned to a button, you know, like uh, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. I think use the shoulder button. Uh, a fair bit, like for you know, using yeah. an item and things like that. There was always usually something. It wasn't a very rare right. that it would be entirely touch based. I, I would, I would like to see some other companies get in because there's one Capcom published game that would work super well without any buttons. Um, made by Mister Shutakumi, but <laughs> uh, like I just can't. Like I, I don't know that I'm gonna finish this game, and it's not a long game. It's just 
No, especially like once through, like he's yeah, kind of just... made to play different, I guess, take different branches and see different endings. Yeah, it's just hard for me to adapt to what the game is trying to have me do with this port that is obviously less than ideal. No, it was it was you know based around the hardware the you know, of the DS very squarely, so it's not the best choice. I mean, I remember enjoying the game quite a bit. I just wish it had more different kinds of action sequences to kind of um, you know break it up a bit. Yeah, you I'm know? puzzled. I was just puzzled at the lack of a no of an all range mode or lack of a no all range mode. Yeah, like, that, that it's all that you know. It's all these sort of kill arenas, if you like. You know, the, the that that's that's mostly the game. You have some bits like um, taking down missiles that are coming at the Great Fox. I seem to remember, and mm. yeah, there's the very end of the game, but you know. It, didn't necessarily have to be, you know, like on the scale of Star Fox 64, but some additional Something. kind of traditional Star Fox content to go along with it, I think, would have, um, you know, got, done well, I think. I think it's a decent framework to have the game, you know, to have this sort of strategy map and then encounters take place within that. It just, if the, if the encounters could have been different, you know, more varied within that, I think, uh, the, the, they would have been a better execution, but of course they never did really iterate on it at all. No. Know, I wonder whether they might at the time, but then, you know, nothing happened with the franchise for a long time well, after. And that. if you think about it, Star Fox Assault until really Star Fox Zero, we haven't had a Star Fox game with, with straight ahead combat. No, no, it's been since then that yeah, that we've had just like a you know a tradition. And obviously, that had a lot of on foot stuff, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, uh, really, you could take it all the way back to uh, Star Fox sixty four before that, because there is a little bit of it in Dinosaur Planet, but. Really, you can just get the rings and then fly to the top corner of the game, and you'll never lose. Yeah, as we assume, it was very hastily. So it was. It is very poorly on, constructed. You know, <laughs> so by a team that have yeah, no familiarity with the, the the series. It's 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 kind of a shame. Like, there's definitely something about this game, um, even if it's just the race away from the haunting portraits. But I just, it it's it's really being hamstrung here, which I think. It, it's it just goes back to I really wish Nintendo could figure out how to let me play DS games on my 3DS because it just costs too damn much to acquire a copy of this game for what it is and it's just it shouldn't be this way like they shouldn't have said let's just port this game that doesn't feel good because it's got Star Fox in it so I don't know I'm I'll I'll keep giving it a go but I just don't know that I got much left in it. Yeah, I get the main thing, I guess, is just to see if there's anything in the customization stuff that can make it more workable. You know, that's all I can think of. Yeah, uh, it. We'll see. But moving on, Greg. Yep. You downloaded some stuff. Yeah, first thing I downloaded the Mario Maker stage for Smash Brothers. So just just for the Wii U version, I did do it for both. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. Uh, I, I kind of like the look of it when they showed it, um, and uh, the way it's turned out is is pretty cool. Because what just from the number of times that I've played on it so far, it's impressive how many different stage elements from Mario Maker I've seen. For instance, you could get lava, you could get blocks of ice, you could get conveyor belts. You know, it's uh, it, the layout is different every time. Uh, and can be quite sort of different styles. I mean, you might have one that's 
quite a few I've played so far, like where it draws in kind of like a central island and maybe a little platform out to the side. But then others are more kind of just flat, like spread out more like the sort of Bridge of Elden stage, you know, the from Brawl, the Zelda stage, right. maybe with like a you know, some destructible blocks in the middle. Um, you know, that the it can be destroyed and then will be drawn back in by the hand. Although I was disappointed on the preview on the thumbnail on the stage select, it's got the cat paw, but then I haven't seen the cat paw show up yet. I don't know. I don't know whether there's like a little button. I mean, in the video they showed of it, it's definitely in there. So yeah, I don't know whether it shows up randomly or it's like it's like the old days of melee where you could hold the shoulder buttons to get the uh, alternate music or something. <laughs> hold the shoulder buttons for cat paw. I, I mean, the only <laughs> thing I could think of is that maybe it it just like. They they wanted it in there, but it was just killing it, and they just uh, it's got to it be in there. I'm sure I'll see it eventually, but um, no, I, I'm I'm pretty pleased with it so far because uh, you know I do like having more stages for for Smash. Just you know, especially like if you ever do an eight player, there's not that many stages that actually fuck. They, they've been, they've added quite a few since it started, but. There's not that many of them uh, that that do support that, so any time you could get another one, uh, that's cool. Uh, I think that's pretty nice, and uh, this would be as dynamic as it is because I mean, the, of each time you play it, the layout is going to be you know somewhat different. But then, as you're playing it, the theme, as uh, you know, as in the case of Mario Maker, we've got the four different themes from the four different sort of eras right. of Mario, it changes as the stage goes along. And one of the music options actually is for the music to change with it from, you know, 8-bit to Mario 3 to uh, Super Mario World and to New Super Mario Brothers. So, no, it's uh, another nice bit of DLC. I haven't got the Wind Waker level yet, you know, from Brawl that was released alongside it. I don't oh, the, th- uh, the pirate ship. Yeah, the pirate ship. I don't think that does allow for eight players in its regular form. You know, obviously they all do with the Omega form, but uh, with the boring form, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it still looks nice though in the in the Omega form. Obviously, you get all the the music and everything. So, I mean, that was a stage I like quite a lot from Brawl. Um, uh, so it's nice to see it back. I might get that eventually. And then, of course, there was all the outfits and stuff. I don't know whether there's anything quite as crazy as some of the the past. Um, oh no, there's no, there's no, there's no bear with its paw stuck in the honey jar. I don't, I don't think it's, it's as mental this time, but um, you know, so just the stage so far. I haven't got any outfits or anything from this pack, but there, I, I suppose should get this out of the way more for future, future sort of new business segments of mine um, than this one because I haven't actually had the chance to use it yet. But this week I got an Xbox One. Um, and it is partially Roger Goodell's fault, as so oh. many things are. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's all Roger's fault. So yeah, he, he um, did he break your phone? He did. <laughs> no, he did not. Um, so basically, yeah, we got a situation uh, uh, here where you know I uh, pay a fair bit of money to uh, to watch NFL games live. Um, over the years, otherwise, otherwise I probably would not have seen a Bills game for several years that, that don't tend to get on British TV because they haven't been the most relevant team. I don't know whether you're aware of this. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we've been doing that for years, but um, obviously, you get to a point where 
you know, it's it's okay watching it on the laptop or whatever, but the motion's not that great or whatever. So having an app to watch this stuff through console is it can be very nice. So that's something I've really found out, like with MLB TV on the PS3. Yeah. Um, but because Microsoft threw money at Roger's office. Um, they the, sure did. The NFL app is exclusive to the Microsoft family of consoles. So of course, I do have a 360 thanks to the generosity of my colleagues here uh, for years ago from when I departed. I forgot um, about that. We- yeah, but um, the 360 is in another room and I'm happy with it where it is and all that. So it's kind of like I want to wanted to upgrade uh, at some point. You know, it's been six years since I got my PS3. So, you know, that that's a generation. That's fine. And, uh, okay, so I'm gonna want a new console at some point to play some of these games. Um, and then you had sort of on the one hand this, this app coming in, and then on the other hand, Rare Replay coming out in the summer. And it was, okay, this is, yeah, I think I'm gonna do this, but I, I waited until an attractive deal came along. Uh, and then, you know, Last week it did. This week it got here, and uh, I'm happy to report that the NFL looks very good on it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good app. It's, I think that's, 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 that's the effect of winning, Greg. <laughs> Is it? It's all on your head. I'll let you know when <laughs> when we've actually had. Well, we had a winning season last year, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, you won. You won last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah, but that game was on TV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's just those are the odds, but um, yeah. The one interesting thing is that the weird little thing. You remember the whole fifty hertz nonsense about over here, you know, uh. which has generally since <laughs> stopped being generally stopped being an issue for all but the occasional virtual console release on Wii U. Um, but um, we still actually broadcast stuff in fifty hertz on TV. So the cool thing about the Xbox NFL app is that it actually is 60 frames per second video. So I'm getting to see the NFL in a hitherto unseen level of smoothness. Wow, for, forbidden fruit, Greg. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, it's, it's it's so smooth when they're just creaming each other so hard. So legit, legitimate question. To what ends 50 hertz? Is, it, is was, there, is, it goes back just all the way back to when the, the, the standards were established. You know, originally there was a trade-off in that our TV standard had more lines right. and resolution yeah, yeah. than yours, but it had a lower refresh rate. And for some reason, just when we went upgraded HD, the, they didn't change that. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. So, yeah, a bit weird. But so it looks very smooth. It, it runs very nicely. Um, and I'll be enjoying that for the rest of the season. But... The um the rare replay I've dabbled with a little bit as well, uh, not a whole lot, but um you know I've been I've been impressed with how the uh, the N64 games look, considering mm-hmm. you know I wasn't sure what to expect, but um you know they're blown up on a big TV and all that. You kind of seen some virtual console games, maybe not look that great, but this this yeah, these look pretty nice um, on there. Obviously, some things kind of. Uh, I think generally, like, the character models look surprisingly sharp in games like Jet Force Gemini. And yes. then everything else kind of, uh, <laughs> but, but still it's bright and it's, you know, sharp and clean looking and all that. So it's definitely a new way to kind of play some of these old games and the new controls of Jet Force Gemini. The running and gunning actually feels surprisingly nice. 
the the platforming not so much oh. um but uh, that is loads of that to dig into so i'm sure I'll, uh, that'll probably pad out my uh, new business selections for the next several weeks and whatnot um but uh, it's uh, it's it's a nice bit of history and um, there's quite a lot of games on there that i've never played as well as the ones that are just fun to go back to cool well i i look forward to uh to hearing about your experiences with oh god what i'm trying to think of what spectrum games are on there <laughs> jetpack oh, like, jet yeah yeah jetpack yeah, yeah. underworld or whatever, yeah. underworld that was the one that, oh. but oh. basically in the end i mean you know they took microsoft throwing however many hundreds of millions to buy rare and then however many hundreds of millions into roger goodell well the owner's pockets and they finally <laughs> sold me an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Cost this $800 million. God damn it, we sold an Xbox One. Yeah. And I was still angling for like, I'm not, he's got to get about another 20 quid cheaper before I play. Uh, yeah, well, I guess, uh, I guess even Greg has his price. I guess that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, the NFL, that's the way to get to me. It's, uh, yeah, oh. it's not a secret, John. It's not yeah. a secret. <laughs> this, is, this is all known to us. Mm-hmm. Well, John. Yes, sir. You have a price. I do have a price. My price is destiny, my friend. Um, yeah. So since since Johnny is uh, now off of uh, this <laughs> podcast, and, and I can I can talk about this without a without a debate. Can or, I? Can I? Or can an I, examination of. Can the I play the role the of the doctor? I, I don't know. Really, know what you mean by that? But I never knew guess. you're so kinky. That's all so yeah, um, been playing it for a while. Uh, but John, don't yeah. you think it's a pointless waste of time to go over the same content over and over again <laughs> just to find better loot? I mean, but John, John, I mean, really, how is this a shooter versus being an MMO? You see, I, I, mean... haven't even, I, I haven't even said anything, and already it's derailed. <sighs> oh, uh, I'm kidding. All right, all right. Uh, serious, says John. Have you got any recommendations for the? Because you're the only one of us that has an X bomb, as I like to call it. Oh, an X bone. So I, I can now no, call no you no bone. Bone. I can bone. I can now call you an X boner, which pleases me greatly. No, no. <laughs> oh my god. I can now call you an X boner. Uh, recommendations. Uh, I would definitely play Ori in the Blind Forest. That's probably yeah. I've seen that advertised quite heavily. Yeah, that's pretty much my favorite game on it. I mean, if you're not into you know Halo anything, um, yeah, I might give it a go. I haven't. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's 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 a bit weird, really. It's kind of like, what am I going to buy for this thing after I get all the fucking fifteen-year-old rare games? <laughs> yeah, there is exactly. there is a weird trend of like the games on that platform being collections of games from other platforms. Yeah, because yeah, Master you can always, collection. You can buy yeah, you can buy fifteen-year-old Halo games now. That's that's uh, that's what the, the what the deal is. But um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's it's very uh, specific in the kind of games that it has for it. I mean, it is a lot of first-person shooters, a lot of racing games and stuff like that. So if that's your jam, then there's certainly an overdose of that on the Xbox One. Yeah, I'm sure um, I'll find stuff, but um, you can, yeah. please proceed, John. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Please take oh. us take, take us to our destiny. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, Taken King. Um, the, really, the, the season two of Destiny. Yes. Yeah. They call it Destiny 2.0. I call it Destiny Fixed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, right, a, lot, a lot of the things that a lot of a lot of the problems. I actually, um, little known fact. I actually rage quit the first version of the game. I stopped playing it because the, the loot drops were absolutely terrible for the amount of time you put into it. Right. So you know you. So go through... I, I told you. What's the point, man? 
<laughs> I think that's Dr. A, Metz redeemed. I think that's a broader question, but um, but yeah, because in the, I mean, in the first game, you would you know you have the, the PVE content, which I was mainly playing at the time. Um, even though the PVE in this game is pretty darn good, uh, which was mainly comprised of strikes, and of course they have the organized raids and stuff like that. But at the time, I was playing strikes, and you just really weren't getting many many drops. Which you know you get these little kind of like crystal balls that sort of drop, and they're they're the the loot that you go cash in at the the guy in the tower. Um, but you never really got many drops, and of course the gear scales, right? There's like blue right. and then purple, and then the exotics are yellow. Purple drops were very few and far between, and I actually at one point I started to count how many I got. And I got eight. I got up to eight where at the time I only had one character, and it was a warlock. So I didn't I didn't care anything about any other gear for any other kind of class. They have warlocks, titans, and and, and your class did not affect what the drop was, correct? No. No. So what happened was I got like I I got eight purple drops over time. None of them were for my class. And at that time Good. purple drops were really really <laughs> rare. Like you didn't get them. I mean, you would put in hours of game time and get maybe one. And so eventually I just said, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm out of here until you fix your loot. Your loot drops." So finally, they didn't really do that much in Dark Below or House of Wolves. It remained relatively the same. They made some tweaks, but the loot drops were still relatively the same. So I really I didn't even actually play House of Wolves at all. I played some of Dark Below. Things weren't really changed very much. I didn't play any of House of Wolves at all. So until a buddy of mine got me back into it, and then, of course, Taken King comes along. Taken King is way better. The gearing is really, really good. You can gear up really quickly. Um, You do strikes now, and you can actually get... um, I think... uh, You start off around, like, gear level 200-ish. I can't remember what the actual cap was for the original game, but... right. um, so I did a bunch of strikes and I wasn't really getting anywhere, but uh, and so you know some some guys at work that play it they're like oh hey man just just like run strikes and I'm used to the old the old version of the game where running strikes didn't give you shit so I was like yeah all right man whatever so I just kind of kept doing I did strikes every once in a while but I was more kind of doing story content and stuff uh, but yeah strikes you can really gear up really quickly in strikes like you actually get like three loot drops every single time you do a strike and I mean you're pretty much overflowing with gear. Like, there's no obstacle to gearing. You can do it really smoothly. I mean, I went from, like, about 225 to, like, 275 just by sitting there for a couple of weeknights and just kind of sitting there for a couple of hours and plowing through some strikes. It was It's really, really good now. So, so, John, as somebody who's a neophyte to this game, yeah, and I hear the terms for the different kinds of gameplay, can you can you give a quick rundown? Cause if somebody's saying, okay, maybe I want to get in now that this game's a little bit different. Sure. Like the t- the types of gameplay modes. Yeah, well, in in Taken King, it's a lot it's a lot more MMOE than the original game was. The original game was very much like if you heard that the original game was um was light on content, that was because the types of content that you really dealt with weren't that varied. I mean, you would go you pretty much worked through the campaign mode, which got you to level 20, and then you switched over to getting better gear to increase your 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 light. And level. so, what did the campaign look like? Was it just was it just first person shooter missions or? Yeah, first person shooter missions, but very kind of skimpy on the story, and they just you know it was very. Well, it's all on the it's all on the online guide. Yeah, very very <laughs> very generic kind of stuff. So it really wasn't. It was okay. It was okay, but it was kind of like a poor man's Halo. Um. Just That's like, ironic. Yeah, considering how kind much money ironic. that game costs. Yeah, but I mean, it's just they they just really didn't put that much effort into the story in the actual game. Like you said, a lot of it was kind of on the website, and you had to kind of dig for it and stuff. So it's just kind of weird. But, um, but yeah, so that you have strikes, which are uh, you know, um, 
a particular uh, you know, like a, like a three-man instance. So you and two other people go in and you have a goal, get to the end, uh, kill the boss, and there you go. And, you know, rinse and repeat. So you can get into um, a strike queue now. And, of course, you have PvP, which is your typical kind of like online multiplayer, you know, uh, deathmatch, capture the flag, right. th- that kind of stuff. Um, and then you also have uh, story story mode missions where there's a particular uh you know kind of story uh jack and the beanstalk kind of story like there's a ch- it's almost like like a chapter that is told within that instance so um and, and a lot of them like you know they they reuse maps but uh, that's okay because it's kind of like you have to go to mars and this is the mars area and you know it's it's a large area and you can explore it um and so they kind of they they place different chapters of the story in these in the same areas but you're doing something different fighting different enemies accomplishing different goals parts different parts of the map are open to you stuff like that so taken king kind of takes it a step farther when i first played through the original kind of campaign part of taken king it only you only play through it's about five hours and you know you kind of fight the 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 bad guy the big bad guy oryx you fight him and you kind of beat him but you kind of know that's not really the whole thing. But I was kind of like, is that really the whole thing? Um, because you kind of kill him, but you know you don't really, right? So, right. and I was like, man, it kind of sucks. I mean, if that's the whole campaign, that kind of sucks. And so, you know, I talked to some people and they were like, oh, no, 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 no. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But I was kind of burned by the way things were before. So I was very skeptical. I was like, <laughs> man, the campaign wasn't that great before. So I don't know about this, man. So, but what happens is they, um, you, the, the new planet is the Dreadnought, which is this, actually a ship, uh, and, uh, it's kind of an open area where you can go and explore, and there's various things that you can do there, like you, like, there's kind of like this, this gauntlet you can run, like you get these, you get this currency, and you can kind of cash it in to fight this gauntlet of monsters and stuff with a, with like your fire team, which is like six people. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do there, but, they also have a whole bunch of story branches, so they're quest lines, right? So instead of just having the main quest, the original game had a main quest line that you played through as the campaign, and that was pretty much it. After that, like you're forced to grind strikes, and that's where people really got tired of doing the same content over and over again because they weren't even reusing the content that was there intelligently. They were just oh. like, yeah, there's no more story, dude. Uh, just go run some strikes. Good luck. And if you can find some friends, go do a raid. That was it. So that was the, that was the big thing that was wrong with the original game. So, but now they have um, they have quest lines that aren't that different from what you would do in a strike, but they're just different enough to make it fresh that you so don't like get bored. So, NPC gives you gives you mission, you go do mission. Yeah. Reward. Yep. And uh, okay. and and so there's there's they they break down by class. Um, they break down by uh, what spec you're running for your class. So, like now, like say for a warlock, you have there's three different specs that you can run now. Like one is like solar, one is kind of arc power, and one is like lightning kind of thing. And you know your your various powers differ by what spec you choose. Uh, but there's three different quest lines for each one of those specs. There's a quest line for your character, and then there's also story quest lines kind of for each of the kind of each of the different factions that you deal with, like that you're fighting against. So it's there's a whole bunch of stuff to do, and on top of that, you're gearing up in some of the story quests you can't really do unless you're a certain like light level. Um, so, you know, so 
there's a whole which, bunch which of stuff. Which is a function of your gear, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And uh and See, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um so they they do a lot more with the content that they have. Um and you know, just the gearing is a lot better and the way that they handle the factions is a lot better. Previously you had uh you had to get Vanguard faction, but before you really like and what you do is, you know, you complete a strike and you get Vanguard rep. But the way they handled it was really confusing because you had to choose. You could only like you could only support one faction at a time. So you either you got Vanguard rep or you chose some other rep and didn't get Vanguard rep. The problem was the Vanguard rep gated a lot of the low level good gear. So you had to do it. Well, the problem that I had was that I didn't even really know about that. Ugh. So I at that point in the original game you had you equipped a piece of armor. And that armor was tied to a certain faction. Well, I just kind of chose one that wasn't Vanguard. So all the time I was contributing rep to this faction that really didn't help me at all. And so finally <laughs> somebody said, oh, hey, man, uh, you know, finally when, when I hooked up with some people that explained the game to me a bit more, they said, hey, you have to get, you know, your Vanguard rep up. And I'm like, well, I have the, cur- the Vanguard currency because you need currency. And they're like, oh, well, what's your rep? And I'm like, rep level zero. And they're like, yeah, you kind of need rep level three to do anything. And it's not trivial to get that rep up. Like you have to sit there and like grind strikes and grind strikes. So it really sucked. So they don't do that anymore. And now you can actually earn Vanguard rep by doing stuff. And at the same time, choose uh, once a week a faction to represent. So you can get uh, two faction reps at the same time, which makes things way easier. So they've streamlined a ton of stuff. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really good, really, cool. really good. So, so I you, highly recommend it. So, so you, if you were turned off by the idea of some of the stuff in destiny, you think this would be more approachable for someone who's a more of an MMO fan than a shooter fan? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it actually has the kind of quest line sort of gameplay of MMOs now. Like now it feels like a more complete game now and it feels like it just, it feels like it's been fleshed out a lot. And of course, um, they now have. Nolan North doing the voice of your ghost. So Dinklage, Dinklage is gone. He's been removed. Great. No more Dinklage. I I wake up every day wondering when I'm going to get to hear Nolan North next. Yeah. I'm going to hear him about six times for breakfast. Everything's fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's really good. I mean, if, if you, if you ever kind of, well, and you can get a pretty sweet deal if you don't own anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it gets kind of murky if you have the original game because you, yeah. you sort of have to buy the legendary edition, which is the full game plus House of Wolves plus Dark Below and then Taken King. It's, I mean, you're, but you're effectively, I mean, the, the, the Taken King, there's so much content there that, I mean, I don't, I mean, I paid 40 bucks for it. I don't feel ripped off in the least. I still have a ton of stuff sitting there. And I mean, I'm only doing this on one character. I haven't even touched my other two characters. So it's, cool. uh, it's good. Good stuff. Excellent. Guillaume. Yeah. Wiggy, um, wiggy. What you got? <laughs> yeah, well, I've been uh, kind of in a gaming funk recently. I'm not sure exactly what to play. Uh, I'm kind of Mario'd out. <laughs> Mario'd out. Yeah, kind of playing through the co-op games with Karen and playing Mario Maker. I think there's only so much Mario one man uh, can take. Uh, even me. You're going to really and, hate our retroactive then, aren't you? Uh, well, well, it's tennis. It's it's different. But, okay. Uh, yeah, and when I'm in that kind of mood where nothing, like I pick up a game and I, it just feels like work, you know, like I, I can't get into the story or I don't want to learn like the stuff that you have to do in the game. I don't want to learn the gameplay to get to 
story that I don't really care for anyway. Um, I just tend to fall back to 2D platformers and RPGs, and I feel like I've gone back to those things a lot lately. So um, I, I've been trying to vary it up. Um, but very quickly, I just want to say I kind of gave up on Final Fantasy VII. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I think it's it's kind of a lost cause for me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, what you're describing now as your gaming funk seems anathema to playing Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I got to the uh, airship part, and I was dreading it. I was not excited. Oh, but you only have I... like 40 hours left. You're fine. Yeah, no, I was just like, oh, okay, so I have to kind of wander around and find the quests to do and to progress, to go forward and uh, go through more mini games that I don't enjoy, more combat no, it, that it, I enjoy less and less. I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and call that game bad. I, I think it's definitely aged in some weird, not not necessarily bad ways, but weird ways. Right, it's, it's such an odd thing. But given where you are, I think I think you made the right call. Yeah, probably. So uh, yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what to turn to 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 get out of that funk, and uh, I, I I've said that I, I I was not an early adopter until the like 3ds and Wii U until I was podcasting, so that means I missed some launch Wii games that uh, perhaps I would have enjoyed, and so sometime last year I picked up Elibits, and finally last week I played it. And I actually really enjoyed it. This year was um, sort of memorial for Konami, uh, getting out of the uh, getting out of the games game. <laughs> largely. Yeah, like the I, I can't say that I see a lot of Konami DNA in Elibits. Actually, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. God, it's it's weird to think that you know it was only. Like what nine years ago that they were making it and, <laughs> and, and, and Dewey's right. adventure a bit after that, you know, like it's, it's it's somehow they've been this sort of really sort of completely uncuddly company for quite a few years now. Oh, it's absolutely. hard to imagine they ever did stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, Elibits, like it's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. If- Maybe everyone else has played it. And no, talking. I never did get around to it, despite hey, you know, so, despite Johnny's dramatic reading of the script on the yeah, early RFN or whatever. It never did quite close the sale. The, the, the game, the game, dramatically renamed in Europe as Illides for yeah, reasons, LEDs, yeah, for some reasons reason. unknown to, the, to society. Yeah, no so the comparison I would draw would be with another game that I really got into very late to the party. Um, Katamari Damashi. I played that earlier this year, and I, I had played it originally when it came out, but then I, I, I never really truly fell in love with that game, and only earlier last year was like, like, oh, this is awesome. This is really exactly what I need. Uh, Elibis has that same kind of feel. Both games have this, the, these very simple premises, these very weird ideas of uh basically you're you're exploring these environments everyday environments and uh, uh playing with weird physics to, to try to get stuff to react um anyway maybe the the comparison doesn't really hold all that well when i tried to say it that way but basically like in in elibits you're 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 using the pointer you know, your your kid who's got some sort of electric gun or something to capture elibits but this gun also has the uh, ability to move stuff around. And so as you capture elibits, you can move bigger things around and you, you get more, uh, yeah, you, like it, it gets more power. So, you know, initially you have trouble even 
moving books around and you kind of wish that the kid would just reach out and move it himself if, <laughs> instead of relying on that gun but then as you power it up then you, you can move uh you know the bed and stuff you go outside you move cars around and uh it, it just becomes so chaotic and you move stuff around because you're trying to discover hidden elements that they'll show up if you move uh certain things that have been shaking or, or whatever or if you've been uh, solving the, the, the very simple puzzles that the game asks you to solve. Uh, for instance, uh, you might, like, you'll see a toaster and uh, it will ask you, like, it will say insert. And so you try to find a piece of toast or a piece of bread and put in the toaster and then you can use the toaster. You press in the glowy button and then elevates are going to come out. So you capture those. I mean, isn't the idea that the el that the elevates are like a source of power or something along those lines? I, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, the the idea is that they they do power things like it seems to be where the electricity comes from from in that world, and also mm -hmm. they seem to affect gravity. And so I'm in the later levels, and that's pretty cool because stuff is just floating in in the air, like in uh, zero g. And so every little movement that you make, you're going to create a chain reaction you know you're just trying to move that bookcase just a little bit but it's it's going to keep floating and and ricochet against the walls and uh, maybe break stuff and maybe that particular mission that you're on asks you not to break things so you, know, <laughs> you fail so it's 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 very cool like they, they've got some good ideas in there but unlike uh katamari damashi it it, it really desperately desperately needs to get a personality because the the, right. the game, you it's know, saccharine. like you're, it's it's kind of like this weird saccharine sweet just imagery that doesn't really have doesn't yeah. really have much of a much to it besides but just also, look at this cute art style we we put together. Right. Well, the elements themselves are you know pretty well designed. I find like they're they're pretty cute and stuff. But you're moving books around, you're moving toys around, but nothing really stands out like in something like Katamari Damashi you're rolling up like dogs and cats and, and cows and uh, city blocks. And people city blocks and it's just it, it gets crazy it's super goofy it's super weird and that makes it funny yeah it's little bits yeah absolutely thanks for weighing uh, in on that controversial opinion John <laughs> I know man sometimes I Katamari like Damashi great game sometimes <laughs> sometimes I like to bring the controversy uh, but but in elevates like okay you move a, a book around you I don't know like you might you might start a, a uh, I don't know a toy car but it's just that it's a toy car and if you activate it elevates are gonna come out uh, and that's it like it doesn't do anything weird or funny uh, like there, there's I think there would be great potential like if you could. Like I don't know, add sheep in the game and, and just rub them against a you know a felt surface and oh, okay. just produce a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say like, that way. I mean, is it that kind yeah, of party? I, All right. <laughs> the, um, uh, there was a, a DS kind of spin-off, was it? Was it Adventures was. of Kai and Zero? Was it? I have no idea yeah. why. I remember that or possibly i don't <laughs> but, <laughs> but um they never did get iterated on on week it was a very different kind of game naturally um yeah, yeah it was so, it was more of like an adventure game yeah the top down oh. kind of thing if i recall yeah, yeah. correctly so oh, okay. yeah very very different uh, i don't know if dewey's adventure kind of preserves any of those ideas either which was kind of their next kind of cutesy wee game before they Seemed to, you know, draw the conclusion Sh that, off. that that right. market was not nearly fruitful enough for them to continue bothering with it. Yeah, yeah there, there were a bunch of games that came out from the Japanese 
publishers, and to a certain extent, um, there there were some some Western games. E- EA had their uh, was it EA that made uh Boom, Boom Blocks. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. like. I actually like Elibits more than Boomblocks. I, I... Boomblocks is is a multiplayer game for me. Right, I mean, but they're de- right. they definitely kind of come out of that same thought process. Like, you yeah, could, probably because it's like, all right, we got this Wii remote. Let's find a way to use it. In the case of both of them, a lot of pointer control usage. Yeah, those mm-hmm. those were the better early Wii games. It kind of, kind of weird, weird you, cutesy if, stuff. And if you went for the try. gesture stuff, it was a real problem. The the, the pointer stuff is def- was was better at the time, and I think has aged. Mm-hmm. As well, absolutely. But yeah, like the the Wii Elibus game. I mean, yeah, like it, it just like it, it would need it would be nice to see like people moving around in the world to see pets to see like whatever. It, it's just it's strangely yeah, it's empty. Yeah, make the world more. Kinetic. Yeah, it's a lot of the sadness about that kind of era because I, I know people say sort of that sort of similar thing about sort of like Dragon Quest Swords. You know, like that it, it was a cool idea. But mm-hmm. obviously, it was a really early game, and you know it hadn't been fully formed, and, and obviously, it would have been done better with the Wii Remote Plus once right. that came along. And so you kind of have a number of these things from early in the Wii's life, where it's like, well, that's that's, that's neat, but you know, maybe with with a bit more time to polish it up, and this it could have been right. something really special. And of course, the even though the Wii was wildly successful. Uh, in general, you know, in terms of hardware sales and all that, the market really never went in that direction. No. Right. And, and, you know, like I never did pick it up back when it was still relatively new or, you know, even after a price decrease, like I, I bought it used for dirt cheap. Uh, it was just not that appealing uh, of a package. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, uh, just a straight up sequel with the same mechanics uh, on a Wii could have done better or could have been better anyway could have gone farther with these ideas but uh what they have here like they really stretch it as much as they can and it really feels like it you know like the the way you progress to the game you're you start out in your room and you move stuff around in your room and then okay so the hallway opens up so you move stuff in your room and then the hallway and stage three is like your room the hallway and the bathroom and like are you kidding <laughs> I was me? gonna I was gonna mention you know do you, do you get into the john and then you... <laughs> uh, eventually yeah and the, the laundry uh laundry room and the, the kitchen Aww. and it's like level 11 or 12 before you get outside and uh, <laughs> so, uh, so you are new, so. you're human sized but it's as if you were a small as chibi robot <laughs> 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 it's, it's long it takes you to get out of the damn house it's just it's just a very constrained open world game that's all absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, enjoying it. Karen is enjoying it too. But both of us uh, are getting kind of motion sickness from if we play it for too much, for too long. And really, that, that's kind of rare. Yeah, like uh, the, I think the frame rate doesn't help, and it seems to be getting worse and worse as the game becomes more uh, op- opens up and becomes more uh, ambitious. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll never finish it. I've heard some people who thought it was just too much. You know, by the end of the the, the game, supposedly you're moving like Ferris wheels around, and uh, the, <laughs> the game just can't handle it. And uh, neither Good. can most people. Good. Yeah. And, uh, so it sounds like it just turns into the movie Chronicle by the end. <laughs> I mean, it, that was kind of a a weird thing about these games where somebody had an idea for how to use the Wii Remote. They they tended to feel very one notish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would become quite tedious towards the end. Uh, it wasn't really until that second or third generation of games where the, either the Wii Remote had kind of lost its its allure as the, I've got this great idea. 
I'm going to make it so when you do whatever, this thing happens. Where it, or they had sort of understood they needed to do more. Right. It, you I know, don't know. I, I, feel, I really feel like the it could have been the Wii's Katamari Damashi if they had polished it up a little bit more, if they had more... I don't know. Given more personality, because the these cutscenes where a clearly a grown woman is voicing this kid, uh, just oh, yeah. don't cut it. You know, like it just <laughs> it it doesn't work. It doesn't bring you into the game's world. The at fine all. the fine tradition of grandmas voicing children in Japanese TV shows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, again, if it makes you feel any better, they might make an El- an Elabit Pachinko machine. I bet that'll have all the story you're looking for. Or a health club. <laughs> Elephant's Health Club, John. (laughs) That's some nightmare imagery I don't need. On that nightmare, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's time for your listener mail. First up, we have a preview The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes on 3DS by Don Goodman. This just in! Don hates Zelda. He says it right there in the first line of the preview, further yep. cementing his place as the Kusage Master. That is totally not hyperbole. Or misinterpretation at all. Find out what else he despises. Hint, playing online with strangers in his hands on preview. I- it's what it is. I mean, he hates Zelda. I mean, what are you going to do? I thought I knew Don. Everybody, everybody has their quirks, you know? But, like, I thought I knew him, and, and now I realize I didn't. Well, what do you mean? I mean, he's always been the Kusuke master. Yeah, but I thought I thought he would like good games. Mm. I didn't I didn't realize that, that he doesn't, like... Mm. I mean, uh, well, it depends. Are we I'm hurt. About, are we talking about, you know, Link Between Worlds here? No, 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 we're not talking about Link Between Worlds. I said right. good games. I right. said good games. Right. Not right. Baby's okay. First Zelda. Okay. We also have a review, speaking of babies first, we also have a review of Disney Infinity 3.0 edition Inside Out playset on Wii U by Andy Gergen. Andy is a Disney Infinity virgin. Ooh. There, I said it. It's out there. Can we just move on now? Let's find out what his first time experiencing a Toys to Life action is like in this review. Always a first time, James. We've lost another one to the Toys to Life fold, John. <laughs> Alright, uh, here we have a review of Freedom Planet for Wii U by Matt West. Freedom Planet started off as an homage to 16-bit Sonic the Hedgehog games. However, it had the distinct advantage of not being a Sonic game, which means that it's actually good Big and won't make you rethink your video gaming hobby. Let Matt tell you what makes it so great in his review. You see a Freedom Planet version? I uh, probably... I'm just going to ask that about everything going forward. (laughs) All right. And we have a feature, Remembering Super Mario World by the NWR staff. Justin, Andrew, and Brian get all misty recalling the days of their youth blissfully playing Super Mario World. Brian also says what we're all thinking when he says that he prefers Super Mario World to Super Mario 3. So he basically prefers good games to Kusage. Who knew? He's just looking for the opportunity to use 3DS D-pad to play it. That's all. (laughs) Like If we can get that, everything will be fine. Uh, you can find all this and more Kusage. I mean, everything is Kusage if you think about it. It's available to you right now at NintendoWorldReport.com. And we're back. It's time for listener mail. 
we're uh, actually not doing a Lords of Thunder round this week, although then we may have some brisker emails interspersed in some more normal length emails. We have a huge backlog right now, and we're trying to sort of get it down because we want to read your emails. We need your emails. It's what makes the show the show. And you can send it to us at RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. And I have the first email. Ash writes, Hey guys, long time listener, but first time writing in. Keep up the great work. Now, on to my question. I recently picked up Radiant Historia, which wasn't released here in the UK. I'm really enjoying it so far, which got me wondering about other English-speaking Nintendo games, which I could be missing out on. In short, I'd really appreciate any time you guys could spend talking about games which weren't released in the UK, but were in other English-speaking countries. So, Greg, I'm going to defer to you here, obviously, <laughs> yeah, as dinner. the resident expert on UK video games. The elephant in the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> resident expert on, on ones that aren't the spectrum. John and I actually own that okay, category. Yeah, yeah, first, you, go ahead. You know way more about yeah, the actual British developed, like, you know, indigenous British games uh, than I do. Uh, <laughs> I grew up on the Super Famicom, knows nothing of these things. But, um, yeah, in terms of, you know, the stuff that doesn't get over here, it's a, a little bit more my wheelhouse. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm happy to report, really, I suppose, to Ash that um, in in some ways, although it's not especially useful to him at this particular moment, that this is becoming less common. You know, the, the, the rate at which we seem to get games uh, over here, if they've been translated into English already, has improved significantly over time. Yeah, I think Atlas did- was that... I think digital distribution has helped with that. You'll notice quite a few, you know, sort of ones that just say this title is available in English on the eShop page. Right. Um, you know, suggested that, you know, for other European countries, um, you know, they haven't necessarily got the full suite of languages in there. But, um, so, you know, it's kind of broken down that barrier of like, oh, well, it's good to go for the UK, but uh, not the rest of Europe. So, you know, yeah, Atlas luck. was sort of the serial offender here too. As, yeah, as you and that's a really Historia. strong. Which of course, Radiant Historia is is, yes. is one of theirs. Um, but um, yeah, the, the the key turning point with Atlas dates back to a couple of years ago. I think the story goes to like I think Atlas USA and uh, NISA. You know, Nippon-ichi's yeah. uh, American sort of where they had some kind of conversations and basically kind of have a not. Uh, 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 ironclad agreement but it's a clearly an ongoing relationship where uh nisa will be publishing their games over here you know and yes it might be on something of a delay um you know for instance we just got etrian mystery dungeon i think the same day as super mario maker so mm. that's what quite a few months after the u.s yeah correct? at least at least two um and you know for instance uh, the second um etrian odyssey untold game Fafnir Night, that's coming like early next year over here. Right. So, you could go on to. I was going to say, the Etrian games were actually really good examples of games that didn't make it across because I think Etrian 1 and 2 didn't. I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I, think, uh, yeah, I know I'm, four did, but I, th- I think three might have as well. I'm not exactly sure how, you know, because obviously it was you know, a very sort of prominent series on DS before the 3DS. So I'm not sure how many right. of those got across. And of course, the advantage with DS, you know, we talk about Radiant Historia, uh, is is that it wasn't region locked yet. 
Right. Um, which was nice. Uh, sadly, yeah, that is something that the problem that has emerged rather than gone away in that regard. But yeah, basically since 2013 and this sort of partnership between the, uh, those two companies, yeah, we, we're getting pretty well served for that kind of game there, which yeah, even though it's, you know, on a bit of a lag, it's a vast improvement on where we were. But to kind of go back in time a little bit, really, to, to, to some that were, you know, uh, prominent before that i think uh, gotta be uh, one that we talked about a lot over the years because it's very good is trauma team yes uh, trauma team obviously in english uh it was was it hospital six in one in japan <laughs> something ridiculous like that. and um it's actually on the wii u e-shop isn't it in japan it is yes um, but um it's not been um released in america and i can't imagine there'd be any hope for it being released on the european e-shop if it isn't released in america first right um, but um still you know there are ways of of uh, if ash has a wii there's ways of playing uh, software uh, it's actually territory. quite easy on yeah. it yeah it got pretty mm-hmm. easy towards the end and you don't have to worry about firmware updates screwing it up anymore because uh, we're well past that point so you know yeah there's uh, i would recommend that heartily um, if uh, if he could track down, a, a, I am actually copy. a serial exporter of that game at this point. Yeah, you are. Yeah, we're spreading the gospel. Uh, you know, it's a gospel worth spreading, I think. Um, but uh, there's a few other cases. Nine 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 is uh, certainly a prominent case, and, and also a demonstration of how things have improved. Because we did not get nine 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 here, but then we did get Virtue's Last Reward. Right. So you see how things have been changing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I played Virtue's Last Reward, but not the first one. Um, and it's something I would like to go back to, but, uh, you know, it might be worth, uh, I'm not sure if Ash has any familiarity with the Zero Escape series, but yeah, it could be worth starting it from the beginning and then you might even enjoy it. I mean, they one. are, they are related, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't 999 know. 9 was clearly not designed to have a sequel. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a planned trilogy, you know, you're not buying into that. Oh, it's 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 pretty apparent that they're like, oh, this game sold better than we thought it would when it went to the West. We should probably make a sequel. Yeah, so I mean that that's another another suggestion I could think of. Um, and then reach it back a little bit more in time. There was a Chibi Robo Park Patrol, yes, which was had a limited release in America as a Walmart exclusive. Um, um, anyway, in the United States, so, Guillaume, how did that go down in Canada? I, I saw it at some point at an EB Games, but long after the release date. So, a used uh, copy. Yeah, probably. Actually, it seemed new, but who knows? They they got copies, new copies, and all that kind of stuff that uh, they do also at GameStop. So, yeah, mm-hmm. who even knows? Also, but, uh, a serial so the point of that is, game. it was kind of a limited release. Then. Yeah. Even, yeah, it, in, very, in very limited release. So it's not a huge surprise that it didn't come over, but it does fulfill the criteria of the game in English, and you can play it on any DS, obviously. Uh, and so, yeah, that that could be worth it. I, I've had a few near misses with that game over here, but never have actually played it. Um, but it did get localized, unlike the sequel uh, on the DS, which did not get localized, sadly. Right. That um, was, but, but I mean, you could almost think of like as many examples like going the other way. Like for instance, Last Window, yes, which was the sequel to Hotel Dusk, um, was was localized for us over here in English and other European languages, I believe. But they're not actually released in North America. I think that would be an excellent candidate for the DS uh, virtual console. 
service. Uh, and th- th- there was a Trace Memory sequel too, I believe, wasn't there? Yeah, that was on Wii. Yeah, that that was the um, the, yeah, the, another, another, code. another code R, as it was known here. Um, so, so that's the and, point. And the I Tingle mean, games, obviously, the big, the big important Tingle games. Oh, crucial, crucial, Rosie Rupee Land. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, I ain't got that much to grumble about. There's still, I mean, there's probably some like really obvious ones I'm not thinking of or something. I, I, I'm Excite sorry. bots. Which came out nowhere else except Club Nintendo in Japan. Yeah, Club Nintendo in Japan, stealth released in the States or whatever. So I guess it was the hell those, with that probably game. Those, dropped in some small foreign countries. No, no surprise um, that that was kind of... Uzbekistan you know, has 200,000 copies of that game <laughs> that, were just, that were destined for Europe. But <laughs> I mean, say for instance, if it had come out in Japan, you could have had the Japanese version. You know, I mean, like it, the text is not an issue. So that was... Is purely a business thing rather than a localization thing. The deep narrative of Excitebots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stories out there about this. It was like at one point considered to be like a Diddy Kong Racing reboot or something, and then it got. I mean, there's there's some read up about that online. Weird, you know, some weird stuff, um, uh, weird stories. But yeah, well, I do like Excitebots. It's 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 a it's a fun game uh, mm-hmm. to get a hold it of. Is. Yeah. I, I would like to mention that all three of the games that we mentioned prominently here, with exception of nine nine nine, so three of the four, have been have been the product of either import or export by someone on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who would have thought we'd reference things we know? In some uh, cases, so... <laughs> multiple time exported. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I've exported three copies. I'm, of so, a... I'm sorry, I can't reach a bit farther out from that sort of frame of reference here for something a bit more profound or something. I may have bought more copies of um of uh trauma team than have were sold in some in some US states. <laughs> Good lord. Alright, so next email, Greg. So Tengu Gemini writes, as a listener mail question, I would love to hear how you all handle video game merchandise. Amiibo, plushies, a Kirby Nendoroid, Nintendo has its hooks in deep. How much do you all spend on merchandise and what is your collection like? Disregard that last part if Justin Barubi is around. I didn't just put that in there to get the dig in. Um, I'll go first so I can kind of give some context to how I'm thinking we could go through this email. Uh, when I was younger... I had significantly more, in part because um, I was unable to procure Super Nintendo until quite, quite late um, due to parental concerns about video games and whatnot. So, <laughs> but I had these NES games, and so I enjoyed the franchises quite considerably. So, a lot of how that manifested itself was in merch, which was weird. But um, in the current time frame, I own a bit. But it's not something that I actively go out and procure. Usually what happens is something pops up that's really cool. And I sit there and go, oh, I kind of like that. And then it eats at me for a while. And then I'm, it's late and I'm watching like the, the knife, the knife show on, uh, on <laughs> you YouTube. Or talking to, talking to me and browsing. Yeah, like, eBay. like, like there's that, sh- there's the, there's the, sh- the live, uh, you know, kind of like shop at home knife show on where they're trying to sell you 75 knives for a dollar a piece and i'm like just waiting for them to injure themselves yeah i mean they i'm not convinced they haven't before i've Uh, seen similar (laughs) sorts of clips where people have injured themselves Uh, and then like but it'll be like one in the morning and i'm you know i I, and i'm like okay And, and maybe i'll have another browser window going i'm like all right i'm gonna go ahead and buy this 
and uh, then I buy it, and then then later I go, oh, it was dumb. But you know, it's not like I have a bunch of it's <laughs> yeah, like I have a bunch of figurines forward. hanging out or anything like that. You know, it's a lot of times it's it's something less less you know big. Like it may be like a, a soundtrack or something, like an album that was really cool. Or um, I bought a couple posters a while ago, but but they're not up right now because I don't know where to put them. So it's kind of like, well, okay, I, I I like having them. I bought um a fairly a fairly old retro piece of art that they did that was sort of reprinted from early Nintendo era that has a has a very classical Japanese art style to it. Um I just kind of it kind of hit me the right way Spoke at that to moment. You. Yeah. Um but it's not, you know, it's not super intricate or anything. It's it's just it looks uh t- t- it looks it's not it's not straight up like ukiyo-e would block, but it's similar to that. And I was like, okay, it's not too bad. I'll, I'll buy that. It's kind of a weird item to have around. Uh, what about the rest of you guys? Do you, do you own any merch? Well, for me, it's gone in the opposite direction because when I was young, we were importing like any, you know, whatever I could get people to buy, whatever I could get my parents to buy would go into the games because they were so expensive. Right. You know? So like, anything else was kind of, it's like, you can't have a Game Boy, you can't have it, it's got to be, all of it's got to go to pay for fucking 80 quid for Street Fighter 2 or whatever. Oh, uh, man. But, um, you know, so as time's gone on, obviously, you know, that's, that's changed a lot. So, I mean, I've got, I haven't got a lot of stuff, but I've got some soundtracks, I've got some posters, some of which are not up. So, you know, we're right there with each other. And yes, I've got a few amiibo, you know, I've got Yoshi, I've got Yarn Yoshi. Of course. I've got of the, course. uh, I've got the Duck Hunt ones just recently, cause that's cute. I like the cute ones, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Skeletal Yoshi. It's a dry bones Yoshi. I'm surprised that isn't a character actually <laughs> in, the, in the Mario canon at this point. I mean, there's a dry Bowser and all that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, every now and again, if something comes along, I think, oh yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I've got, I've got Mega Man as well because that's just you know, it's Mega yeah, Man. I mean, it's a really good figure, Mega Man. So it's, it's, it's just something cool comes up. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to resist. I haven't made a decision on the Chibi Robot yet because that's again like from the files of. Did you ever think this could possibly happen? Well, I mean, like, based, know, based yeah. on the threat earlier in the episode, you'd better buy the game. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure, yeah. I mean, the, the game is pretty much the game's happening, you know, one way or the other. I am actually rather looking forward to that. And and for what you know, the inversion of the uh, Woolly World situation, we're getting there like a month after you or something. Uh, so. Yeah, I'll have time to read reviews and all that, but I, I think I'll be getting that. But the, the Amiibos, just like I said, for me, the more improbable they are, the more fun they are. You know, apart from Yoshi, because I mean, he's you know, he's just Yoshi. But well, yeah, there's, there's, there's the really other improbable. stuff that's like Mario, Bowser, and all that. Like, yeah, sure, there's there's plenty of uh, there's know, like there's, there's like seven Mario ones at this point. But you know, when you're talking about <laughs> Little Mac and and uh, you know the Duck Up Dog and all that, like that Chibi Robo, like that's cool to me. So. Yeah, so every now and again something will, will take my fancy, but I, I would never. I mean, you see cool stuff sometimes that's really pricey, you know, big statues, and they're doing that yeah, giant yeah. Um, fortune cat Mario from 3D World and stuff like that. But I would, no, I would I, never pay. I, I was thinking like price. all the Square Enix toy line where you just look at it and you go, why? What? Why yeah. is there a four hundred dollars sculpture of one of the uh, the Wanzers from um, Front Mission? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Guy? Uh, yeah, no, my, my, 
Nintendo merchandise would fit in this small box, really. I rent, and I don't move around all that often, but the, I hate moving enough that I yes. don't want to encumber myself Shut up, with John. You don't get too to much say stuff. That. God. <laughs> John has moved quite a few times during the yeah. life of the yep. show. Yeah, and, and I just uh, beyond just like the the moving stuff thing, I don't know. I don't enjoy having a whole bunch of knickknacks laying around. Um, I did buy the uh, Captain Olimar amiibo and the uh, you know I got yeah, the, the eight bit Mario. Um, that's, that's a really good. I mean, it looks really nice. Like I've seen it in person. I don't own it, yeah. but I've seen it on the shelves. You have the you know, the little the helmet and every the little Pikmin and just just again the fact that it's a Pikmin figure like that. Is, <laughs> I, I really yeah, that that was part cool. of why I got it, of course. And uh, but but the fact is, I don't look at it all that often. You know, I made a stage in Mario Maker with it, but that was basically it. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a few like pins from like the 25th Mario anniversary uh, from oh, yeah. Club Nintendo. Uh, yeah, there's some cool right. Club Nintendo stuff I've got. Yeah, Club Nintendo is kind of a whole other thing. Back, back when that, ex- I mean, I've got a whole bunch of soundtracks, and it's not even so much you know to have the music in that right. form as it that's is on like, the internet sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of it's just the packaging i mean the 3d world soundtracks really got really nice packaging with them all in the cat suits playing the big band instruments and um the, the super mario galaxy 2 one was never actually on club nintendo so i just bought that but mm-hmm. um it's got mm-hmm. a gorgeous uh sort of silhouette of mario with the conductor's baton riding yoshi it's just it's just beautiful yeah, but as much as I could on Club Nintendo, I would get the digital stuff. I, I just, uh, I don't like, uh, to have that, Tat. you know, tons no. of plastic around. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, uh, John, you, you consumer, uh, I'm trying to think what the nice way to put it is. <laughs> so didn't he used to have some sort of nickname to do with the cat helmet or yeah, something? Yeah, he, he had the Halo cat helmet, yes. Uh, Boy, oh boy, what a hostile audience. Woo. John, <laughs> Man. did you or Sorry, did you John, not? Sorry, John, but you know, when, you, when, you, okay. when you bring in century hot takes like Katsumari <laughs> Damashi's pretty good, you got to be ready for the blowback. <laughs> did you Did you, or did you not, sir, blowback. at one point put a helmet, a halo helmet on your cat? I may have. All right, well, okay, so I have kind of probably... A checkered history, not so much with merch, but with collector's editions of games. That come um, with merch. Which come with statues and stuff like that. I may have made a couple of questionable decisions in my time that I regret to this John, day. John, didn't you at one point own the collector's edition of a game in two different versions? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Damn it. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> so, you? All right. So see, <laughs> just that he wasn't proud. Of not, it. not really. Not really. You're all actually. over the map, John. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I still have the cat helmet. The cat helmet. I'm gonna try to sell that though on eBay. <laughs> just because you know like why? Because it takes up. I, I don't. The thing is, the thing is with the cat helmet is I don't want to display it because it's the fucking dorkiest looking thing. Oh, ever. it's terrible. <laughs> is it like it's an a ironic... huge Master Chief helmet? The thing is, it is it like an ironic collector's item at this point like i don't I mean, even know it's been it long takes... enough that it's it... got like the sort of chintz value that people i mean it was always yeah. chintzy like i mean oh, it, it was always chintz, but now it's like slightly older like people have forgotten oh. about it enough there's like oh that oh yeah i remember that's gone well oh. i've had to move it from place to place and it's huge i haven't got i've forgotten about it at all Make make, um, make sure to get the cat out of the helmet before you sell it. <laughs> I will. I'll make sure he's get out her of out, there. Get her out, John. She's I'll hungry. See, she I can't mean, eat for that a long thing. Time, for a long time, Nintendo didn't really get in on that sort of no. scene. But they've been getting in on it more. Obviously, the scarf. I assume, well, you know, you've all got one. 
you all went to the Nintendo yeah, we all, World. The, the fuck We're in a Nintendo right World store at midnight or whatever it took to get it. Look, it's Greg, like... the show barely recovered from the last time <laughs> the scarf came up. So, yeah, so with me, I'm not really, a, I'm kind of like Guillaume's, not really a big merch guy. I don't like having a lot of knick-knacky stuff around. I did kind of flirt with the idea of getting some merch, and it reminded me that at one point I ordered from First Four Figures. If you've ever been, if you've ever looked at any of their stuff, they sell these like $200 figures. For yeah. Oh, yeah, just, that's just kind of why I was on They're really, it. really nice. And so I remember I ordered, I believe, Fierce Deity Link. Yes, that was a very, very nice looking statue. Yes. And so I ordered it. It was like $200, $250 or something ludicrous like that. I ordered it and it came to me. It it was shipped from the UK and it got to me and it was broken. Oh. So I had to send it back, which I I don't regret. Like it was kind of like, yeah, okay. All right, cool. It was not meant to be. I'm I'm not going to be one of these big figurine merch guys. Um, (laughs) Another, another story with that too is, um, with, with Fallout Three, this is just this is another classic story from my my archive. <laughs> I got the Pit Boy one with the with the wristband. The this is the the collector's one that had like the the Pit Boy the big plastic watch that you could like wear on your arm. Why I got that, I don't know. <laughs> There's no use for it, but but thankfully for it came it came it arrived from Amazon and the watch was broken, so I was able to trade it in. Just like, just get a refund for it, which was great because I was like, "Thank God, what the hell was I thinking? This thing is a piece of crap, and I know I wouldn't know what I would do with it anyways." So, I was able to to toss that back into the ocean. Um, but yeah, but I do have I do have the eight bit Mario amiibo, uh, so he's just sitting up there on top. of the I might shelf. be the only person who doesn't have it. It's really cool. Oh, no, man. I have a go. I have a go. Oh, okay. oh really? All, All right. the cool kids are doing it. Yeah, but. so so John, I will say, first four figures almost got me once. Mm-hmm. Oh, their stuff is so cool, but uh, uh. it was the uh, their their uh, vice statue from Skies of Arcadia, which, if long listeners of the show will know, that I salivate on that game fairly re- regularly. Also, it's having its 15th anniversary, so heads up, oh, that's coming God, to new business at some point. Oh, oh, oh wow! Um, but but yeah, like their stuff is unbelievable. Um, yep. their beautiful Joe statue was. Almost got me once too. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was sweet. Oh, uh, somebody cares about that franchise, Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, their Mega Man ones are also good, Capcom. Yeah, I'm just looking at James. Is this the one with the flag? Oh yeah, that's really cool looking. That is a fucking amazing statue. It, it really is. Yep. But next email, John. Uh, okay. Uh, sorry, just let me. Ask. Somewhat related. Kobe Skills writes: Nintendo has cured my amiibo obsession. By never having, <laughs> but never ever having any in stock, and by their stupid store exclusives. Thank you, Nintendo. I've saved so much money that I could have thrown your way. I can count about a hundred times that I've walked into Target or any store for that matter and headed to the Amiibo section, excited to buy one or two or the lot, only to find time after time after time the same Mario, Luigi, or Princess Peach. So thank you, Nintendo. I'm starting to lose interest in them. Since, well, I haven't seen a new one in months, and it's hard to get excited about something I will never see or be able to buy. Unless I want scalpers to screw me over every which way, which I don't. So again, thank you for saving me a truckload of cash that could have gone your way. I'll always remember Amiibo for that thing that I could have gone crazy about and spent a lot of money and collected all my favorite Nintendo characters if I could actually somehow, you know, buy some. So you might wonder why we've included this email. 
since yeah it's not the most timely thing in the world you know the amiibo just the people freaking out about amiibos kind of died down a bit as the as the ones in smash brothers have sort of are finishing up their run um we are hot on the heels of the truly absolutely positively necessary animal crossing full amiibo not the card amiibo for use with the animal crossing amiibo festival which is truly a piece of of marketing work but I brought it up because I wanted to give Mr. Kobe Skills some breaking news from Nintendo of America. Look who's back! Little Matt, Greninja, Shulk, Lucario, Fox, and Captain Falcon will soon be restocked at select resellers. Which means it's time for you to get hooked yeah. all over again. <coughs> I'm in. Ami- Amiibo are back. I'm all in this time, man. Like, it's, I've had it, that taste. It's You know what, John? You need... You need a Shulk amiibo. I do, I do. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, he's unfortunately always... not in his underwear, which is the only way to play Shulk. Yeah, I mean, you know how they have to like, that's like, like chase down and kill a bear that's had the taste of human meat. That's what I, that's what I am, like amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> I've had one, so now it's like, you know, you got to put down. <laughs> Euthanized, yeah. I've been, I've been campaigning for your euthanization for years, John. That's really amiibo hasn't changed. That. I can finally, Greg, you can finally get the public behind you. Uh, <laughs> rally the public to your cause. It's interesting though that America has been quite different from everywhere else because you know for the whole store exclusive thing and all that you know a lot of bundling and you know like the the retro three pack you know where you you could only get um, Game and Watch, Rob or the Duck Hunt uh, duo uh, in that right. pack and things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas you didn't really you haven't really had a lot of that outside of America. It's, it I is... guess it's just the difference in the market in terms of distribution and all that kind of stuff. It just seems like you know they kind of have to they more averse to like having a bunch of stock that doesn't end up getting sold. So they kind of you know kind of well, letting letting retailers sort of come to them and say all right we'll take it you know if you give us the exclusive on it or something like that and it, it's creating sort of more uh scarcity for the end consumer i mean it, it there is a certain logistics um issue that that the united states is different i mean it, yeah. it it's you may not think about it on a map um if you're just looking at, at a map of the world but you know western europe you can basically fit all of it in like the middle third of the United States. Like, so it's, it's comparatively dense, I think. It's the right. It's it's very dense, and so getting getting physical things around is not as logistically challenging as it would be if you're trying to get Shulk amiibos to like Des Moines. And of course, much the same could be said about Japan in terms of you know. Oh very, yeah, Japan. Japan is even, is even more heavily, so. heavily clustered as well. So I mean, you know, for all of the crap that Nintendo gets about this stuff and you know maybe they haven't handled it ideally as we've seen you know like the example we gave with the smash brothers figures kind of being done a bit backwards like it seems like this was a bit hastily done because you know they kind of realized you know we don't want to miss out on the whole toys to life party and you know all right we need to get in on this as fast as we can so it wasn't all as rigorously planned as it might have been but um there are real factors that play into these decisions that they make um you know that um it isn't just about you know them 
being obnoxious or wanting to turn people's money away. I mean, it's, yeah. it, 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 I mean, I couldn't tell you the the exact uh, mechanics of them, but these decisions. But it, clearly, they are. There's just right. real there, challenges there, there. There are regional logistical differences that 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 the different regions. That's why Nintendo has different regions. I mean, ultimate different regional offices. I mean, that's their responsibility to sort of figure out how best to to deal with the specifics on the ground of their region. And Amiibo coming out of the chute was a new thing. I mean, it wasn't like Skylanders where it was very directly tied to a game. And, you know, Activision put a ton of money in promoting Skylanders. This was very much this this kind of weird thing where there wasn't, like, it wasn't toys to life in the traditional sense. It's been executed at that point. And it was always kind of sold on, like, the vague promise of you'll be able to use this toy with more games. But we're not really talking about the other games just yet. No, and of course, you know, when it comes to the whole issue of, you know, they can't keep certain characters in stock and then they keep announcing new characters, which seems right. kind of counterintuitive. But I mean, some of that is kind of just this follow through on the Smash Brothers plan, which again, there wasn't really a joined up approach there. So, uh, you know, I think the Smash Brothers, the whole thing of like, well, you know, it'd be a bit awkward if you did some characters but not others because then, you know, you can't do that functionality right. with your favourite character if your favourite characters were the ones that didn't get made. So it kind of just, you know, it was all a bit awkward and they boxed themselves into some corners. Well, that, it, you know, that's how they've handled them, particularly in America with, with, with retail exclusives and this, that and the other. But um, And to that and also, if you've got, if they have a game coming out that has new Amiibo to go with it, say Splatoon, for example, like they couldn't, even though Amiibo at that point were supply constrained, it's not like they could have launched Splatoon and gone, don't worry about the Amiibo. Because, I mean, there's an Amiibo box in the game. They had to deliver the Amiibo day and date with the game. They had to. So, like, this is the point where you have corporate interests that are not in harmony. And one one team essentially is going to have to win that conversation. Like, Presumably, the, these sorts of things were going to balance out you know, as time goes on, and, right. and perhaps some sort of reboot of the whole uh, idea, you know, to go along with the next platform. Uh, I think you know the, these sort of bumps in the road will, should get a little bit smoother. But the differences between the regions will remain. So, it, yes. and, and it's still about getting physical products on the shelf. So it won't mm. even out altogether. I think the fact that they're able to announce these ones that were difficult to find and say, hey, all of these are coming back now to select retailers, I think tells you that they're, they're figuring it out. They're getting there. And it's, it's just, it's just a matter of, of, you know, I think they were caught off guard too. I mean, they've sold over 10 million of these things. Like, there's no way they expected this to just blow the doors off. They can't have. So, you know, they, they got to figure it out. We, and they will. Well, I think the key thing to say with Nintendo is they were never going to bank on it blowing right. the doors. I think they may have thought, they, you know, they would have seen the upside, but they're not going to flood, you know, the U.S. market with products, especially when you're talking about drilling down into some of the more obscure characters that may never get sold, and then it ends up kind of being on clearance, and then that affects the perception of the brand and all that. It, yeah, it's... you know, it's far too conservative for any of that. Yeah, but. Yeah. Cove skills, don't worry. You can get it right back in right now. It's, it's never too late <laughs> yep. to get to. They're always there waiting for you, buddy. It's never too late uh, to get on the A train. I gotta say, I'm just very supportive of the idea of Nud going through hoops to buy stuff. I'm, like I'm, just to, 
Just go to the store, and if there's something, or don't go to the store. Like I mean, don't don't go, don't make a special trip for amiibos. Just if you see one that you like, that's there on the shelf, take I'm, it. I'm and... very supportive of supporting people and their addictions. So <laughs> you're an enabler. <laughs> I'm a supportive enabler, though. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're gonna get heroin, make a good heroin. You know. Hey, John. John. <laughs> I mean, treat, family treat your, show. Family treat, show. Treat yourself. H-Train, H-Train, please, family show. <laughs> H-Train, is that what you said? Yeah. I like that. I like it. I like oh, it. You, don't, you don't want to take too many rides on the H-Train in one day, John. Guillaume, next email, please. Nicholas writes, since the E3, when we first saw Splatoon, Nintendo fans have wondered if it would reach its potential of creating its own niche genre, the family-friendly shooter. In short, we wondered if it would sell. Today, many would agree that it has exceeded sales expectations. My question is this. Do you think that sales were significantly boosted by the robust marketing push of Splatoon? Uh, E.g. commercials, web ads, store kiosks, beta test ads, even Splatoon branded stands for wipes at Walmart. Yeah, like what? the like the, disinfect- <laughs> the, dis- the disinfecting wipes they have next to the console. Before oh my you- god. And yeah. in Canada, they had the uh, Froyo. Yeah. Anyway. In recent history, I can't really remember a game that they pushed this hard. How much would other Nintendo products benefit from this kind of marketing emphasis? So I kind of want to to lump this in with the next email, which I'll, which I'll read, because it, it talks a lot about the same kind of, you know, why was Splatoon successful pondering. Mm-hmm. And Darth, I guess it would be Darth Cadis, mm-hmm. uh writes... Just a quick one. Splatoon was originally supposed to star existing Nintendo characters in the Mario Kart Smash Brothers mold. Do you think it would have been A, more, or B, less successful if it had stayed essentially Mario Paintball? Personally, I think it would have sold worse by comparison, based entirely on the so-called Mario fatigue. I believe utilizing a new, stay, fresh IP has worked in Nintendo's favor here. Cheers, lads. Keep up the good work. I... Is that is that the genesis of Splatoon? Because I I don't remember reading that from the Iwata, uh, Iwata asks. I so, thought that they started kind of experimenting with uh, they they said they looked like blocks of tofu and then they became yeah. rabbits and maybe then they it was became... talked about at one point that so maybe probably. But, but I, I mean, mean I, the one ironclad example of that is Wonderful One I One, isn't it? That that definitely right. was considered to have Nintendo characters in it, and then they ended up doing original ones. Um, hmm. Well, one thing I would say is that there is sort of empirical evidence uh, to back up Darth Cade's contention uh, on this in Japan, at least, from the point of view that um, you know Splatoon is now on a sales trajectory that's superior to Mario Kart Eight. Yes. So, I mean, you know, that's not only got the Mario name, but it's in an established, very popular series within the Mario brand. Here you go. Here, here's the quote. This is this is from Miyamoto speaking to Edge. Um, quote: There were heated debates over who the main character should be in Splatoon, whether it should be Mario or or yeah, whether it should be Mario or the Squid. When we talked about the possibility of it being Mario, of course, we could think of the advantages. Anybody would be willing to touch it as soon as we announced it. It was a new Mario game. But at the same time, we had some worries. If there was Mario, we wouldn't be able to create a new IP. Exactly. Hmm. And we've said for years that Nintendo needs to create new IPs, especially on its consoles. But no, I think think there's a dark there is a dark side to sort of call it something Mario blank, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. And that is that it is sort of a spin-off that it's that it's like not the real deal, right? You know, it's not the prime. Rip. It's inauthentic. I think so at now, this point uh, too, I think you turn off a segment of the kind of non-Nintendo hardcore audience. 
I yeah, mean, people probably. just be like, "Meh, it's another Mario game. Don't so, care." So here's the thing, though. If they blend into the background. I think that's yep. part of the problem. I mean, you look yeah. at Mario Kart has obviously done a very good job over the years of establishing itself and its own identity. But you know, especially if you go back to Super Mario Kart, they weren't so common back then. Mm-hmm. We've got to the point now with the, the you know, tennis, golf, you know, all, all this stuff, you know, the, the RPGs, just so many things that, um, you know, I think there is a risk that when you introduce another one that doesn't have history behind it, um, you know, it, it might not get that much of the benefit of the Mario name uh, while, you know, harboring well, some of the, the costs that I have of his own. So. Well, well and, and to go to that point, hey, raise your hand if you know when the next Mario sports game is coming out and you know what it is. Oh well, no, November twentieth. Uh, Damn, Smash. impressed. I I like Camelot sports games. I know. I'm gonna guess at least one person on the show didn't w- had forgotten there was a Mario tennis game coming out. Well, it certainly didn't arrive. I didn't want to say it, but I was gonna guess that John had forgotten a Mario tennis game was coming out this year on <laughs> Wii U. They all kind of blend in, man. You know, well, yeah. I mean, so like I said, it wasn't announced with much fanfare. It was yeah. playable, but there wasn't a lot of meat on the it, bones at, at E3. So, I mean, it'd be perfectly understandable. I think that is the risk, uh, you know, that it would have blended into the background. But you look at how well it's done in Japan. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's been, is, it's we talk about the family hit. friendly shooter angle. But to me, the fact that it's crack Japan, the Japan-friendly shooter, yeah, with, with, with this is is far more interesting. That uh, when you consider that the Wii U is is not, you know, a very um, popular uh, format in in the in that market, there aren't that many Wii U's. I mean, the install base, I believe, is still larger than the PS4 um, at this point. Um, but you know that that doesn't say that much just the, the the dedicated home console market has shrunk down to this little nub well that's the reason the ps4 is so cheap in japan now because- yeah it's just you know they, they just is not something they're all that interested in as we've said many times you know the portable market is where it's at so for something like splatoon to come along and make the impression that it has there in a genre that uh, the market doesn't particularly have uh, a great affinity for on a platform that is not all that popular i think says something that's something special's gone on there that just would not have been replicated had it been within the mario umbrella uh, 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 for me i i think it has a lot to do with the 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 characters and the way the imagery was was presented in the marketing so I i would i would say that going back to miyamoto's quote um He's talking about the possibility of it being Mario. Of course, we could think of the advantages. Anybody would be willing to touch it as soon as we announced a new Mario game. See, the thing here that is that is most telling to me with respect to the first email asking about the marketing and the, and the blitz was that there is a, there is an implicit risk in them not making it a Mario game, which is that they have to do a lot more to get word of mouth going. Because if yeah, it is you, a Mar- it's more incumbent on you to do that kind of push. Because you know it, it might it needs more of an introduction. You know right. what, what what it is, what the sort of sensibilities of it are. But I, I mean, I think the other part of it is, you know, I think an interesting analog here is a code name Steam, which came out yes you know, on virtually the same day here, but it was a couple of months earlier in the states. Yeah, which they made an, a new IP out of. Um, I didn't really push, and it pretty much disappeared without a trace. Um, yeah. You know, so. It's not as if this sort of thing, you know, is, is is bankable. Like, oh god, if only they just tried doing new IP more often. Well, you yeah. kind of see why they don't sometimes. Because well, I mean, Splatoon's could argue- an interesting story, though, because it's the thing is, it, it was kind of primed to 
get a little bit more interest than normal because number one, it's a genre that Nintendo really never touches, and it's not a Mario game from Nintendo. So people, well, I feel I felt like there was a curiosity and kind of a buzz around it just to see if it would in fact be a flaming train wreck. Well, I think the other thing <laughs> in play in play though is that it's it's imminently markable because it has quote fucking style. I like, think that's the I think that's the biggest thing about this that I really believe that. Nintendo not only spent the money on the marketing because you know they of a out of a perceived need because this game is a new IP and all that, but I think they really felt like it would be money well spent. Right, if it had, it had... It, 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 this game has potential. It's got style. It's got substance. It's if we could just communicate it to people, they will get it. I think they really believed in it, um, and that's mm. why they were willing to give it that big push. And and uh, ultimately, I think in many ways they were vindicated. Uh, I, I suppose the point is to the, the the first part of this to what Nicholas wrote. What, what other Nintendo products would benefit from this sort of push? I, you know, had they given that sort of push to Codename Steam, would it have succeeded on the same level? Probably no. not. Mm. I mean, I, it, I, it lacks that style. I mean, I, I, I would, would Mario like Tactical Squad have fared better? Would be. Maybe a little bit, but <laughs> I, oh, yeah, not I would that have much. bought. I would have bought the hell out of that game. Yeah, I, like <laughs> you know, Valkyria Chron- uh, Mushroom Kingdom Chronicles. There, yes, you know, you <laughs> done. Know, I'm if, in. If, Give it to me. Fire Emblem Steampunk Edition or something like that, some other kind of spin-off. But I think the point is that, um, you know, they wouldn't have given that game that same sort of treatment because they wouldn't have believed in it the same way. And it's, I'm not, sure. it's, it's not a belief in the gameplay specifically. No, it's, just not, something, it's, it's not there's something quality. about it's, it's not. Just, I mean, I really like Codename Steam. I, I, I really like the game. I think it's got plenty of merits. So I got the opportunity to play it after the patch because it didn't come out gotcha. until then. But, um, the, the thing with it is, yeah, it's not about like raw quality or the, you know, the kind of craftsmanship that's got it. I think it's just that potential for mass appeal. You know, Splatoon has it, you know, and I it's... think they identified that and, um, that's why they put the push behind it. Splatoon has a cool factor to it. There's just something about yeah. it. You know, there, Visually, it's got it's got this kind of it's got a little bit of a punk attitude, and the the funny thing about about punk as a as a as a concept as a you know as a style and stuff is that it's eminently co-optable by marketing because <laughs> because it's got edge and it's got authenticity, and the thing that marketing struggles with more than anything else is pushing a product that lacks authenticity, like because so, instantly you just shut so- down on it. So, James, what you're really saying here is that there needs to be a Splatoon Shadow the Hedgehog crossover product. No, that has no authenticity. <laughs> That's the problem. That's why Shadow the Hedgehog is so stupid. It's, it lacks any merit of authenticity. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's the, you pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge kind of game marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just complete. It's it's so transparent that it's not there. Whereas Splatoon, it's so embedded in that DNA. If you made it a Mario game, you couldn't have given it that kind of style. You couldn't make it, you know. You couldn't have them be fashionable, kind of, you know, little bit of roguish clothing. You couldn't have the sort of countercultural DJ music that the game sort of thrives on. You couldn't. You couldn't do like electronic dance music in a Mario game. It just doesn't work. So making it its own franchise sort of lowered the floor on what that game could have done. It absolutely was a risky decision, but it also raised the hell out of the ceiling of what that game could, could succeed as. 
Not necessarily in sales, because if it was a brand new Mario platformer that used Splatoon mechanics, that game probably would have sold a ton of copies, because it is a brand new Mario platformer. But, but, I mean, if you think about it in Japan, though, I mean, if you are selling on par or better than Mario Kart 8... Yeah, you're I doing mean, really well. What more do yeah. you want? I mean, right. you, I, I, that is that is you talk about a ceiling... I mean, that's really butting up against the ceiling for what they could do on Wii U in Japan. So it's certainly mission accomplished there. The other markets is a bit different. But, you know, I think that's, you know, possibly in the future, this is the kind of thing where they could benefit if the next platform is kind of, um, you know. They've laid the groundwork. If the next platform is going to be kind of device flexible, if you like, this is just the sort of game that could be really, really huge in Japan as a handheld game of some sort, if if that's possible. Uh, and then, you know, Monster Hunter's hype multiplayer, and then in the, uh, at home, in you know, as most shooters are played in the Western market, a console in front of the TV, uh, you know, uh, in the Western market. So it's, it's, I mean, they've definitely. This this you know, should be just the beginning, uh, for as much of a success as it's been. Um, right. Hopefully, that yeah, you know, this is not the end of the story. So I I would say one thing before I I'm done. If you guys want else want to throw stuff in there, imagine the new Zelda game is coming out because that's all we can do right now is imagine. <laughs> imagine the new Zelda game is coming out and Nintendo has done every single thing that's in Nicholas's email. They've They've bought big displays on the sides of GameStops. They've put, you know, Link in a fountain in a mall. They've put, they've covered everything in Zelda stickers. Who besides Nintendo fans is really going to pay that the time of day? Because everybody sees it and knows, oh, that's Zelda. Okay. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. You, you know, it's a different kind of, um, you know, push because, you know, you're not, you haven't got the same kind of room to define something. Well, and yeah, people the, who the, already the see it can kind of filter it out. But you see this this kaleidoscope of color and just this unknown thing up there. It's going to draw attention to people who could otherwise filter out, you know, the iconography of Mario, having been exposed to it for thirty years now. It's it's mm. kind of this because it's new. They had so much more flexibility, and because it has style, it's able to be so much more arresting visually. I mean, there's nobody to offend. That's true. There's no there's no existing fan base that you have to deal with. There's I yeah. mean I, I think one of the things that has made this game successful and not not wholly, but is that it it's has created this sort of thriving community of people who just dig the style. Like there there are mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands of fan art images of these games. Yep. Um you know, it, now that it's it's leaked out that very likely you will be able to play as um the Octolings. Like there I saw a spike in fan art of those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because people just dig this game visually and, and auditory, like the mu- like they put out a soundtrack of the music. It's it's just it's just a cool. It's just it has a cool factor that makes it very sellable. I, I feel I feel like it, this might sound weird, but I feel like Splatoon is the kind of game that people can kind of take on to represent them. Their yeah. Attitude. Oh, absolutely. If that's yeah, like. No, you're totally they, right. They, you know, identify with it a little yeah. bit. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the thing. I think first of all, it's just there's an organic quality because I think these things did happen somewhat organically. You know, it wasn't conceived of like, oh, we're going to make the Tude game. 
you know, just kind of came out of all the various <laughs> gameplay experiments, which, uh, you know, it, 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 in the end, you know, there's still going to be some diabolical marketing formula behind it, but at least it's got this sort of kernel of, um, you know, something that does feel a bit genuine. But the other thing I think that's important to mention um, is that, especially with the way they prominently featured the female characters uh, amongst the playable characters in the marketing and everything, is it probably would have appealed to girls uh, a lot more than um, it would have done if it was a Mario product. Yeah, and they, they didn't do it in a kind of cheesy, like, look at us, look at how forward-thinking we are. It's just like... Uh, no, you know, no, I don't think they made a big deal out of it, but the point yeah. is, you know, like, that if you look at the box art, it, it's the, the female inkling is the, the more prominently featured one, which is not something they do a lot, and it's not something, you know, like, I, d- I doubt you're ever going to see, like, Mario Tennis and Princess Peach is the biggest character on the box or something. And mm-hmm. even if it were, it's Princess Peach. It's kind of... You know, Giant guess, Princess it, Peach! It, it already exists, it's already <laughs> defined. Right. You know, I I think I think that the choice they made was more inviting, and I think that's why it succeeded well in Japan, where you know as the, those sorts of games haven't necessarily done that well before because they're not normally colourful, they don't normally have like kind of trendy female protagonists or anything like that. So it's um, you know I think it's just that that's really the biggest thing about having a new IP is that the blank slate that it gives you. Give, gives you the chance to be a lot more welcoming and makes it easier for people to identify with something afresh well and to speak to you know taking it on as your identity like before we kind of have to wrap it up like just this week you know if i don't know if you're familiar with line but it's a messaging app yep. it's also got a bunch of games and stuff that it out of japan and it is gigantic in japan but it's you know it's making inroads in other places in the world as well you can use it to make phone calls internationally and send messages to anybody in the world using the internet it's it's but it's it's really evolved beyond just being a messaging app at this point. It's 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 essentially a cult. It's it is the ultimate manifestation of the Galapagos syndrome of Japanese cell phones as as it has been applied to the more global smartphone market. But just this week, Nintendo essentially gave away this uh, a bunch of stickers for Line that are all themed around Splatoon, and all you have to do is make Nintendo your friends. They could send you marketing push messages, but then you can send Splatoon stickers and images to your friends because it represents who you are and how you're feeling and they're they look i mean they look cool like they they nailed the style for this thing so yeah i mean they they some of it i think was i don't think it was all calculated i think at some point they they had this thing and they said we need to push this because i think we can and it paid off so let's do one more email um because cha- other people changing lives james changing lives Fine, John, <laughs> you, why don't you read it? Samantha writes, hi, guys. I am a longtime listener, and my life... <laughs> Hold on, I have to just pause before I read this. <laughs> my life was changed back in 2011 when James talked about nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Since then, I've played every visual novel I've encountered, including 999, Virtue's Last Reward, and the Dank- Rumpa series, even Ace Attorney and Professor Layton, if you include those. Are there any others? We don't. Could- we don't. I do, but, but continue. Yeah. Official line, we don't. Are there any others you could recommend? I'm I don't, the host. I know about Steinsgate no. and Lost Dimension, but I didn't know if I missed any others along the way. My best wishes to Dr. Metz, and welcome back, Greg. So, so Guillaume, you, you had actually responded to Samantha's email directly and given, had given her some suggestions. You could just run through those real quick. I've got a couple that I want to throw out there, yeah. too. No, I did because uh, we we got this email a few weeks ago, and this week I saw that the corpse corpse party series was on sale on PSN. So I thought, well, I better yep 
tell people about this uh, before it goes back to full price, uh, but the Corpse Party series is actually coming to 3DS eventually. I, I haven't really looked up if it's still coming, but I know it was announced at some point. Um, and it's this... I think the first game in the series was more RPG-ish or looked like yeah, you bit. were moving little characters around in an overhead view, but the second one is more straight-up visual novels. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's gruesome stuff happens to high schoolers or something. I still haven't played it. So it came out, the 3DS one came out in Japan uh, in January. Oh, okay. Eventually uh, it should be Excuse me, July. Here. My mistake. Okay. So, yeah, a l- little bit of time left before it gets here. Um, what were the other ones you had recommended? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, well, I haven't played these personally. So I actually talked around like on uh, Twitter and uh, asked... Um, Donald Terrio, who's into Danganronpa and that kind of stuff. And uh, th- what I got on Twitter was that there's not that many on 3DS, really. Not uh, really. There's the Hakuoki uh, ha- Hakuokai, yes. Hakuokai, okay. Published I'll by Axis. Uh, yeah, so that's a game where you romance samurai or something? Yes, you sure do. Yeah, <laughs> so if that's something that you could get into, then uh, supposedly it's 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 good at what it is. Um and, uh, <laughs> well, I'll let you talk about the other ones. I'm going to say, it's not shown up on uh, New Business, let's put it that way. But, yes, it is a game where you romance Samurai. Okay. Uh, John, John told me all about his playthrough of it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Cause playthrough, maybe. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not happy with that, John. I'm, mm. I'm very, very upset with, with that. James, uh, tell us about uh, romancing pigeons. Yeah, Hotful Boyfriend, um, which I own. It is a game where you play the only human in the world going to a high school for pigeons, birds specifically, <laughs> not, not not all pigeons. Okay. And um, you romance. It's more of a dating sim than a visual novel because there's that weird that weird intersection where they're like. Like a pure visual novel is just kind of on rails. It is a visual novel. And then there's that sort of branching past. Some of them kind of go more towards the relationship stuff. And that's kind of dating sims. There's those weird hybrid games where they're like RPG visual novel stuff. And regardless, there's, there's a few hybrids I'm going to talk about. But Hotful Boyfriend is, is – the first game is purely in the in the, the dating sim category. It was actually published in the U.S. It was a Japanese game. It was localized by Devolver Digital because of course it was. Um, and it's, it's mental. It's mental. It is the craziest game I've ever seen. Uh, basically, you, you are romancing these, these, these birds, um, that every so often you'll see their, their human form, which is just these, like, really over the top anime b- boys. But mostly it's just like, there's a bird and he's, he's a doctor. He's the, the doctor of the school, but he's actually super evil and has these really horrible schemes where he's gonna basically just kill people for fun. Um, one of them is a ghost. I mean, the, the game is just just bonkers. Its sequel um, is a straight up visual novel, and that's that's just next level on just inscrutableness. That just to the point where, I mean, it's it's really some really jacked up stuff happens, and you just sit there and go, "What am I doing with my life?" But you can't stop because at this point, these these human pigeon hybrids have stolen a tank. And are using it to demand you hand over the Christmas tree because they love Christmas. Oh, I thought you were, you were going to say at that point those pigeons have stolen your heart. No, um, they're children. <laughs> okay, they're children, but they I do have, they do have a tank, and they are uh, going to shoot you if you don't give them the Christmas tree. So I mean, 
<laughs> those are if you want weird, those two games deliver. I mean, they deliver like crazy. Um, I think actually the Hotful Boyfriend is is actually on PS4 and maybe on other things as well. But it was originally it's originally on Steam. Um, but if you got if you want to play it somewhere else because you don't want your Steam friends to know you have it, there are options. <laughs> Understandable decision. Um, did you mention the stream? I'm reading real quick. Uh, I don't think so. Um, so there's a couple games that I wanted to speak about briefly. Um, I know, I believe Blast Blue Continuum Shift has some some visual novelty elements to it, but it's not. You know, I don't have any real experience with it. I've heard some people some people like it. Uh, I, I generally speaking, so when I didn't have much of a computer, I'd like a 386 forever. Um, there, there, I did actually play or read, I suppose, a lot of these because it was something my computer could actually do. Um, but there is a website that I've used in the past when I'm trying to, when I see a name of one, I'm like, is this porn? Let me make sure this isn't porn first. <laughs> cause, cause there are a lot of those. Um, vndb.org, which is just visual novel database. Um, and it actually breaks them down by platform, what languages they're released in, who made them, um, related products, you know, other games that those people may have made you want to look up. Um, you know, and actually if on the 3DS, it doesn't list a whole heck of a lot because there weren't that many. Um, but, I did want to point out at least one on the PC that I've played that I really enjoyed, um, which is World and Economica Episode Dot Zero One, because I don't know that Episode Dot Zero Two ever came out. Which is just, it's just a pure VN. It's just really, really bizarre game that I actually enjoy. Um, there are some visual novelish slash puzzle game elements to one component of Trauma Team, actually, or two really. Yeah. The yeah. diagnosis and then the investigator segments, the coroner. Um, they both have some some it, that kind of adventure game, visual novel hybrid that that the attorney franchise walks. Um, much more so in some of the in like the investigations games than in say the most recent Ace Attorney games, which are more visual novel slash puzzle games, kind of in the nine 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 vein. So there's you know there's there's kinds of crossover titles, um, but there's one that is. A three to four way crossover uh, that is um, Sakura Wars on the Wii and PS2. I talked about it on the show a billion years ago, which has visual novel slash adventure slash art strategy RPG slash weird quasi dating sim stuff. Like it's all over the place. Uh, I it's it's. It's a fun game in and of itself, especially when it completely just disrespects you and it attempts to tell a story and just goes crazy. So, I mean, there's there's stuff out there in the space that that we cover, but a lot of the stuff you're gonna you're gonna find is on PC, and there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Japan and gets translated because ultimately you can make a game, a visual novel, on your own if you have some artistic skill and some writing skill, and you can sell it on at like a comicette in Japan. And then eventually somebody picks up the rights and localizes it for here and, and sells it on the internet for a dollar. And there's, I mean, there are some really neat ones out there. Um, they don't necessarily have the production values of the games that, that, you know, you've played because obviously they may be the product of one or two people, but you know, it's, it's a much more fully expressed form of game in Japan. And that it's ultimately why you see a lot more of them come out of there and a lot more of them that are more experimental, whereas stuff that originates on in the console space or the the dedicated gaming handheld space is much more inclined to be, you know, a, a hybrid because they have to sell it to a broader audience than just people who really want to play or read 
a visual novel about a two kids in a terminal care unit who decide they're going to go off and die together because living in the hospital is just insufferable. Like, cause that's, that's not going to sell on 3DS. So, you know, <laughs> if that's what you want, I'm sure somebody can hook you up. There's probably a thousand that had that exact same plot, but you know, I, I mean, you've hit the big ones on the handhelds. Definitely. So the couple examples we cited are really the only outliers that I could think of. Uh, I mean, of course there is a, there is another zero escape game coming out next year. Um, on 3DS and Vita that I am incredibly excited for. And of course there's another Ace Attorney coming out next year as well, which I'm also very excited for. There could be two Ace Attorney games coming out, but Capcom is evil. Um, I think that covers it. Does anybody else have anything? Certainly not. Not, I'm say, this not, is, not I know, my this, wheelhouse. This is, this, is, mm. this is me, I understand. Well, isn't... Okay, I'm, I... Is Year Walk on the Wii U... A visual novel at all? Uh, it, it is. It is a. It is a very narrative-driven game. I don't know that it's a visual novel, but but okay. it may it may touch on some of the same things that that a visual novel brings to the table. Okay. Um, to a certain extent. Um, although the gameplay is atrocious. I mean, atrocious. <laughs> um. Fragile Dreams has a lot of the same emotional cues and storytelling hits that a visual novel attempts to do, but it plays like garbage. So it's really hard to recommend. But <laughs> it, when we said the game's got style, it's got like the opposite of Splatoon style. It's just got sadness. It is, it, that, that is, if there wasn't already a game on Wii that was going to be called Sadness, that game should just have been called, <laughs> that game should have just been called Sadness because that game will make you sad. All the time, and then occasionally you'll get a moment of just like pure joy that the game just rains on five minutes later. Oh, but then you have to play it, and then you just get angry. But yeah, I mean, there there is definitely some stuff out there that that could still, even in the space, even in if we're limiting it to the console and handheld space, that that's still available to you. But really, if you want to go off the deep end on visual novels, vndb.org, there are a billion listed in their search catalogs. <laughs> have fun. And again, you can go online and read reviews. There are people who just review visual novels and, you know, it's obviously a very different thing. You're not reviewing the mechanics. You're reviewing the story. You're reviewing the execution. You're reviewing the writing. It's much more like reviewing a book. And, you know, do you want to spend 15, 20 hours with the, with a game? And I'm using that term somewhat loosely that is ultimately not very good. So definitely just don't, just don't. Tr- as opposed to try before you buy, maybe just do some do some research on whether or not something's got some quality before you go in there. Um, but I think that's going to do it for emails this week. We got through a few. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll pick it up next week, and of course, we're going to get through a few because we want your email to be at the top of our list, at the very top, at the very top. But I can't do that if you don't send it to me. It's going to be at the bottom of the, below beneath the list, underground. We can't have that. You can't have that. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I get a kick out of it. John wants to bury your email. Don't let him win. <laughs> Have you ever seen him and Cobra Commander in the same room at the same time? No, you haven't. That There's a reason. Can't deny it, Duke. Yeah. I'm not going to let you be Destro. You don't deserve Destro. <laughs> Chrome Dome? Is that what you're going to call it? Chrome me? Dome. Yep. So, if you want to beat Cobra, send your email to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. Com. That is a very specific reference. And we will read it on the show, potentially, 
if if we feel like it's got some some conversation there. If you've got suggestions for music, you can send it to rfn at attendworldreport.com. It's the same email address. We've only got the one. And also, if you have comments about our retroactive junior game, which we'll be playing in two weeks, that is Mario Tennis Power Tour for the Game Boy Advance, currently available on your Wii U virtual console. You can post your comments in our talkback thread. It's probably the highest rated game that you can get on your Wii U right now, so you I wouldn't skip get, on it. <laughs> you can't get better than a 10 out of 10. You just can't nope. do it. It's not possible. I mean, we don't, they don't give out 11s. We can't give you an 11. Our, our site software won't let us. So, you can go get it, and you can talk about it to us in a talkback thread at attendworldreport.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. And like I said, you can send us your music to play on the show as we go out. Like this one, Johnson, who sent it to our e- email alias just like you can, re- recommended to us the song Sophia from the NES game Gimmick, which I know nothing about. It's but quite in- uncommon, but it's uh, it's it's sudden soft goodness, I believe. Oh, mm-hmm. there we go. So, enjoy. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Later. Later.